You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Goal for Yelich. Cody Bellinger hits one out. He's so He's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Happy Friday, everybody. Yes, it is A's Cast Live with Chris Townsend. And boy, what a lineup we have for you. Coming up in moments, he's one of our all-time favorites, and it's great that he's back with the organization. Adam Rosales is going to join us. Fran Reardon, our friend of the program, manager of AAA Las Vegas, manager of the greatest offensive team of all time, we like to say, will join us at 1.30. Dallas Braden will be here at 2.30 to talk about the offseason, of course. Fantasy camp coming up in January. David Schoenfeld from ESPN did a very good article about free agency. Who's going to get the biggest deal? Who's the biggest sleeper? Who's the biggest steal? Who could be the biggest bust? And then Anthony Watrado from Forbes.com is talking about could be another slow offseason for free agents, and I think we know who's at fault. We'll talk about that. But first and foremost, when I think about guys that I've covered and how long, I've been doing this since 96, 97. That's a lot of guys that I've run into. And there's a lot of good people that have come in and out of that clubhouse for the athletics. But really, no one better. I mean, when you think of just salt of the earth, what a great human being and what a great teammate. He's a great A, and he's retiring and he's going to be back with the Athletics, and it's an honor to have him on the program. We've had him on for years on so many pregame shows. No matter he, whether he was an A or who he was playing with, we were always bringing him on when he came to town. Adam Rosales, a fan favorite, is with us now. Rosie, congratulations on a wonderful career. Hey, Towns, what's up, man? Thank you. It's quite the introduction, man. I appreciate it. Well, I mean, you were a fan favorite. And, well, first of all, what is it like to make that decision? I mean, you played for a long time. You had a great career. You know, that's, it's not an easy decision to make. But I think what's made me successful so far throughout my career is that I've always been honest with myself and honest with my skill level and where I was. You know, and I think that's what I just was honest and I just knew it was time to hang him up, be home with my wife and kids, and to move on, and really eager to start this coaching um, endeavor. And I think it's just right for you to do it in Oakland. I know you played for a lot of teams, and, 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 and a lot of teams loved you because of your energy and your heart and the passion that you played with, but there's just something about the relationship that you had with this front office and that you had with the fan base it, take us through the conversation of bringing you back to the Oakland A's. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of a – for them, it was kind of a, 
a layup, it seemed like. It was kind of easy for them to say, welcome back, Rosie, which was all nothing but respect, you know. I interviewed with a couple different teams here in Arizona, because I'll be at the rookie ball level, but the respect that I felt from the A's, and um, it was awesome. I just felt welcome, felt warm, and I felt like it was just, it's, you know, obviously a solid fit. Yeah, because you, you, let's face it, you always had that relationship with Billy Bean and David Forrest. I did. I mean, the opportunity that, that Billy Bean gave me when I was, you know, coming out of Cincinnati, I was a young kid, 2000, it was going into 2010 season, and they traded for me and Willie Tavares from, from Cincinnati, and, and Billy, I, Billy calls me directly and says, do you know how long we've been trying to get you for? <laughs> and the things that he said on that phone conversation, like, I was ready to hop on a plane and go play for him. Right away. Just the relationship. It's always been nothing but respect, and I've always appreciated that. I mean, what more could you ask for, right? And I think about a career like yours where you got to play in a lot of different places, and I really think that's cool when you can say, I played in Cincinnati, I played in Oakland, I played in Cleveland, I played in Arizona, I played in San Diego, Texas. I mean, that's a truly a full, blessed career. What was that like to be able to, 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 to play around the country and to play in both the National League and the American League? It was, it was a thrill, to say the least, because – Probably the most important thing about it was the people I got to meet. I got to meet a ton of different players, coaches, front office, everything. And you can start building these relationships, and it becomes easier as you do it more. And you become accustomed to it, kind of a journeyman, you know, just kind of just bouncing around. But, I mean, just you get to meet so many great people, and you get to, you get to see what different organizations do, like how they approach the game, like the little intricacies or – just the subtle things that they do or how they approach everything. And, like, the, the team chemistry of, of each individual team is always unique. So it's always cool to see that. I know we're going to be adding a roster spot to the big league level, but I, I think we all know that's probably going to go to the bullpen the way things are going. And we just mm-hmm. recently talked with Ed Sprague, Director of Player Development for the Athletics, you know, the longtime Stanford Cardinal and Blue Jay and champion. And I was talking to him about versatility. That really has become the name of the game. You need you. You're not going to have a whole lot of depth with all those guys down on the bullpen. You're not going to have a big bench. So everybody on your bench needs to be able to play multiple positions. And you were that kind of guy that I knew that. Hey, if I got to put Rosie at short, I got to put him at second. I got to put him at first, third. I can put him in the outfield. Just how important will that be for you talking to these young kids to say, hey, if you want to have a big league career and you want to last a long time, you better bring a few gloves to the yard every day. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just that, talking about that 26 spot, I mean, you know what? I might try, to, I might try out for the team this year, to tell you the truth. <laughs> I, should have, I should have considered that going into this uh, coaching career. So, um it's so important. I mean, it's so that's what's kept me on the field. It's what's kept me, gave me such a long career in the major leagues and in baseball, is the versatility. But you got to be willing to make those adjustments. Kind of show up and say, "Hey, where do you want me to be today? I'm going to do that. I'm going to work at it. I'll work with these different coaches at different positions." You got to be willing and coachable. I think that's the key. Um, so you do get that opportunity, and you have to know what your role is too. You can't, you know who the starting guys are. 
you, you just got to make sure you know what your role is on the team and appreciate every every single pitch of every single day, you know? Yeah, because I, I wonder how tough that transition is when, you know, you get drafted, you sign, you think, okay, I'm a shortstop, and all of a sudden you get to, you know, you get to spring training and you realize, oh, my God, there's all these different shortstops. My God, and these guys, and then all that. Like, at some point you have to realize in your career, I'm not going to be an everyday guy at the position I thought I was going to be in. So I got to think for some guys that's got to be tough, but they got to figure it out. Hey, if you want to play, this is your life. Yeah. That's true. You got, yeah. You got to, you got to sacrifice a little bit. You got to give as much as you don't want to be. And we're all stubborn. You got to be stubborn too, because you got to want it. That's got to be your goal is to play every day. Because if your goal is not to play every day, then you better go home. Because that's not going to cut it. You got to want to play every day, but you have to know that you have to sacrifice or take take a step back and just accept your role um, and just hold yourself accountable for whatever uh, the the organization wants you to do now it's been a few years since we've had you on so i want to go back to what you were known for you had pop (laughs) you would hit home runs and the way you would sprint around the bases they would time you and it was absolutely hilarious and our friend sarah langs from mlb.com said the one thing she's gonna miss she's like one of their main researchers she's gonna miss the speed of you rounding the bases when did that start for you in your career? As everybody's hot-dogging now and bat-flipping and jogging, you were sprinting around the bases. How did that start? Uh, I started a long time ago. I started when I was about 12 years old. When I could actually – when I first had my first home, I actually was left-handed. And I hit it – I kind of accidentally did it. I went over the fence, and I jogged around the bases. And I'm jogging. I'm like, this is kind of like – I kind of feel awkward. I feel like I'm kind of slowing the game down a little bit. I'm like, I just want to get it done and let's go. Let's move on. You know, and then and then ever since then, I'm like, I'm going to, you know what? From now on, I'm just going to hit the ball. What happens if it hits the top of the fence? I'm going to look pretty dumb if I'm just standing at first base. So I'm like, I'm just going to hit it, sprint like I'm hitting a triple, right? And then that turned, I just kept on doing it since I've been a kid. And then I made that promise to myself, hey, if I ever get to play at the major league level, or even professional or at the college level, I'm always going to play the same way I did when I was 12 years old. And, and it's basically just a tribute to my 12-year-old self, you know, that I, I said I was going to do it, I'm going to keep on doing it. Yeah, I think about, you know, Western Michigan. I think about the minor leagues. I think about the big leagues. There was always, wouldn't you say, an interesting reaction at probably every level when you would go yard and everybody's like, what the hell is this guy doing? Especially at the visiting team, at the visiting team stadium. They'd all kind of give it, uh, you know, you could just hear a murmuring up in the stairs. <laughs> I kind of fed off that, you know, it's kind of funny. Well, it's great to have you back. You know, you were always one of our favorites with the athletics and the fan base. I can't wait to see you at spring training. Once again, be very proud. You had a heck of a career. We always loved watching you play, and now it's going to even better. You got you got a second career in front of you, and it's with the team you should be with, the Oakland Athletics. Well, I appreciate it. It's great talking with you. Always good to hear from you. All right, buddy. We'll see you down at spring. All right. We'll see you soon. The great Adam Rosales. You know, it's um, you watch these kids grow. And that's something that I can actually say from a standpoint of, you know, I'm not old, but I'm not young anymore. And so I now get to see these guys 
as they progress as men, you know, when you start talking about some of them are not married, they don't have kids, and then all of a sudden they come back to us here with the athletics and their life has completely changed. And to think about Adam Rosales, and I remember when the athletics picked him up and it was like, okay, you're getting this guy from Cincinnati. He's got a little pop. You know, you got Cliff Pennington. You know, what's it going to be like when you start talking about uh, who's going to be playing shortstop? So to go from there to he's retired? Kids? I remember in the offseason, Adam Rosales was kind of like a nomad. You know, he had all this. He and his wife have family. They have family all over the place. And in the offseason, they would just travel around and, and visit family. A very religious, humble man. He's good people. And I put out on Twitter not knowing. You know, I, I put out there, I said, hey, this hey, Rosie, great career. Love you. Special person. If you ever need anything, we're here for you. Because that's what the A's family is like. The A, it's a family. That's why so many people come here, play here, and they come back. Or when we do interview them, they talk about how special their time was, no matter how long it was. Frank Thomas. Frank Thomas is a Hall of Famer. Frank Thomas went back-to-back MVPs. Frank Thomas was such a great player with the White Sox and still says, best year he ever had, most fun he ever had in baseball was here in Oakland. So it is fitting that Adam Rosales will hang him up at the age of, God, is he 35? Born at, nah, so he's 36. So hanging him up at 36. Good for him. And I know, A's fans, you're listening right now, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When he would go yard and he'd round the bases, and one of the biggest screw jobs of all, if you remember the home run in Cleveland that was a home run that they didn't call the home run, where it hit off a railing up over the fence in left field and they didn't call it, it was like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? But great that Adam Rosales is back in the organization. Coming up next, I experienced something. And it just made me feel so good. And it's just when it happens, because at some point it won't happen anymore. At some point it will be gone. But I experienced something that I've experienced a few times. And when you experience it, oh, it's such a great feeling. We'll talk about it next right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the town. A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. The greatness of the Las Vegas Aviators and Fran Reardon coming back as the manager. He's going to join us coming up here at the bottom of the hour. They had a great year. And my God, the arms. The arms that they're going to have. When you're talking about the rotation for the A's at the big league level, you think about what they're going to have at the AAA level. So we'll talk to Fran about coming back to the Las Vegas Aviators. We're going to do that at 1.30. So 
I wanted to talk, before we'll just get into all baseball, I just want to talk about last night. Last night was a special win for the Oakland Raiders. And with everything that the Raiders have been through this season, flown over 21,000 miles. Our joke has been it's only 24,000 miles to go around the earth. So almost flown around the earth. And how tough the schedule has been. You think about that long road trip, flying all over the place. Then you finally get home. Yay! Play a home game on Sunday. Oh, by the way, now you're playing Thursday night football. I mean, it's it's just, I mean, it's, it's, it's stupid. But a dramatic win last night. Last Thursday night primetime game at the Coliseum, where the Raiders will finish 4-1 and one since moving back in 1995. I can just tell you being on the sidelines of just how loud, how electric, the passion. At some point, we will not have games at the Coliseum anymore. And when that day is, probably 2022, you know, you got the, I mean, I know you people are passionate about Oakland. But once again, it just, it, it, I've been living this nightmare for so long. These people are so hard to deal with. It's just, it's. Oakland suing Alameda. Now Oakland wants to do business. Now they want to be bought out. I mean, it's just always something. What it, it what it never is is fully productive, right? Let's face it. Oakland and Alameda County have had since 1966 to build whatever the hell they wanted to build at that site beyond a football-slash-baseball stadium and an arena. That's fact. Okay? That's fact. They own the land. The thing that has always driven me nuts. Well, the A's don't do this. The A's, wait a minute. The A's, they're a renter. The Raiders don't do this. No, the Raiders are a renter. They rent it. They don't own. And I'm sure everybody listening right now, you've rented in your lifetime. Okay, when you rented and something went wrong with your apartment, Did you pull money out of your pocket to fix it, or did you call the landlord? Uh, I know the answer to that. You called the landlord. Well, guess what? The landlord for a long time has been a slumlord. So the A's have actually put money in to fix the Coliseum. Fact. These are facts. These two entities have had all this time to build whatever they want on the site, and they didn't do anything. Yeah, they redid stuff because they had to. You have to. Well, they built Mount Davis because Al Davis fleeced them, bottom line, when they really should have just torn down the stadium like most people do and redid a stadium that could have been, at that point, state-of-the-art for both baseball and football. They could have coexisted in a new stadium. And then they redid Oracle, And then after they redid it, they really did nothing to it, so Oracle looked old real fast. I mean, the craziness of now, oh, we're still going to have a lawsuit, but we want you, but we'll take your money, and we want to be bought out too. Oh, God. 
But I will say this. How loud that place gets. And you got to remember, the Coliseum is small. The Coliseum is tiny. You go to these new football stadiums, which I've done with the Raiders for the last year and a half, these places are monstrous. They're huge. And they're loud. It's deafening on the sidelines. And they're designed, some are designed, like Minnesota. So basically they went to Dallas, and they realized that Jerry's world, fans are too far from the field. And the way the stands go out and then up, that it doesn't get that loud. So the same guys who are building, same guys who built the stadium, U.S. Bank Stadium in Minnesota, so they went to Dallas and went, huh, what would we change? I know what we'd change. Get the fans closer to the field to make it louder. So in Minnesota, wow, it was loud. And these are the same guys designing the stadium in Vegas for the Raiders. And I and I something that blew me away in Houston was the Astrodome, the eighth wonder of the world. You know, if you grew up years ago, the Astrodome was this monstrous place, cavernous place where the Astros and the oil, oil uh the Houston Oilers play. And when we went driving up to Houston, so they haven't imploded the Astrodome. It's right next to the stadium where the Texans play. And we came driving up in the buses, and you're like, wow, the Astrodome looks so small. I'm sure a lot of you growing up thought the Coliseum was this huge place. <laughs> you know, that's what you think. You're like, look how big this stadium is. It's not. It's tiny. Compared to the modern-day NFL stadium, it's tiny. Baseball, no. Football, Yes. But I think in 2012, I think of 2013, I think of last night. Boy, can that place really get going. I think of the wild card game this year. It can really get loud in the Coliseum. And I just hope the A's, how they're designing this new stadium, Now, I'm not an architect. I don't know about fancy design. I know you can plan on it, but can you guarantee that the sound stays in? Now, I've seen what they've done in Seattle and what they've done at Husky Stadium. That's the University of Washington where they have over it, so at the top of the stadium, they have these overhangs that come towards the field. So the design is for the sound to go up, hit these things, and then force the sound back towards the field. Now, a lot of people think the Seahawks pipe in sound. Uh, I can tell you, being up in Seattle, it's loud. It is really, really loud. I just hope when the A's move in 2023 into the beautiful new state-of-the-art ballpark that we will not lose that effect. The effect of the Coliseum, and part of it is, as horrible as Mount Davis is, Mount Davis makes it a complete bowl. 
So in a, a lot a lot of ways, especially down on the field, there's no place for the sound to go. Like it swirls inside the stadium. I'm not a sound expert. I just know it's really, really, really loud. Like I can't hear my headphones when like last night, Jacob scores. I can't hear. It is that loud. I want that kind of passion. I want that kind of uh, vibe to go to the new stadium. I haven't been to the new Warrior Stadium. I mean, new uh, arena, Chase Center. I don't know how loud it's. Uh, probably not going to get very loud this year, let's be honest. Cody, have you been yet? I have not. I've had opportunities, but I haven't gone. Yeah, and- I'm kind of, ever since I quit 95-7, I'm kind of like uh, happy not to go to San Francisco for going all these years. Uh, agreed. In my years at KMBR. I mean, all these I mean, I'm like, I'm SF out. Plus, right I'll with, get up there at some point, but I think for the time for us to go before baseball season starts again, because that area up there is going to be a mess whenever Giants games are going on well, with that the was, Warriors. That was the thing. The only time I've gone to San Francisco has been when the A's played, and each time I'm driving up, going, "Oh my god, I hate this." Yeah, like we did last or this past season, we went oh, up to the just, when we broadcasted awful. from Oracle Park. Oh my god, it's awful. Well, it's only going to get worse for uh, Warrior oh, fans. It's just awful. As Steph Curry's out, probably going to be out for the rest of the season. What? Yeah, apparently the injury's worse than they thought. He's probably going to be out for the rest of the season. Uh, well, so you know, get to you know Eric Pascal really well, Warriors By the fans. way, you know what you do? You tank. And that's what the Spurs did and got David uh, – not David, David Robinson got hurt, and that led to uh, – Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan. They tanked and got Tim Duncan. You think that worked? There, there was already a thing the other day. It was pretty funny. The kid from North Carolina is a freshman. He had like 34 points in his first game, and they were like – the Warriors should tank for this kid. I'm like, it, it's already starting. And this is after the Warriors won their first game. Oh, with Chase I would not want to win another game. Well, they they might not. The, the NBA is about tanking. I would tank. I I I would. You know, it's it's load management. Yeah, someone had someone had the best tweet. Pascal, like, he's not playing. It's load management. They someone had tweeted. It was like the Warriors set the record with 73 wins. Now they're going for 73, 73 losses. Oh God. <laughs> the manager of the greatest offensive team of all time. The Las Vegas Aviators, friend of the program. Fram Reardon is going to join us as he's coming back to be the skipper. And we're going to talk about his relationship with Bob Melvin, talk about how he gets ready for the offseason. And, man, the arms he's going to have this year in Las Vegas, look out. Fran, next right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. You know, we talk about the big league level. There's a lot of guys going to be coming up that are going to be quality arms that I know at the front office. We do have Fran. Fran, always a treat to have you on the program. How are we doing this offseason? Well, so far, so good. Uh I'm here in Buffalo, New York, and the snow hasn't started falling yet, so all is well. Wow, you go back to you from Buffalo? I am. I am. It's my hometown. Well, I got to tell you, you want to talk about fans who are legit. When you watch those people go to the Buffalo Bills games, and they're like shoveling snow and the seats and everything, and it's freezing cold, that's when you go, you know what? That's a legit fan base. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're a hearty bunch, to, to say the least. 
it's a lot, a lot of fun to watch what these people do on a weekly basis. And, and Fran, think about this. We have 49er fans who complain that the sun is a little too hot when it's 85 degrees. It's like, are you kidding me? Go to Lambeau Field or Buffalo and tell me that. <laughs> it's, it's a little different scenario. I promise you that. <laughs> How great is it to be back to being the skipper of the Las Vegas Aviators? I'm excited. You know, we had a, a great first year, and to, to be able to go back into into that situation and that that stadium, and with, with all the fan support we got, it's it's going to be an exciting exciting season. Yeah, you know, we kind of had no idea. Like Vegas, you didn't know. I mean, obviously, professional sports is really starting to pick up there. I mean, baseball and AAA have been there for years, but now with the Golden Knights and, and their run, and the Raiders are coming. Professional sports is really taking off. Did you really think? Did you know you guys were going to get that much support? You really never know going in. Uh, you know, you, you see the, the the views of the stadium being built, and you hear a little bit of the buzz from afar. But there's really nothing that you can do to actually know until you get there and you see the uh, the amazing support that we got for the entire year and the the attendance that we got the entire year. It was just something that was very special and really a great thing to be a part of. And something that we've been talking about is depth in the organization. And depth is so key, especially with your 40-man. And we've kind of been lining up what we think the starting rotation is going to be for Bob Melvin and the Oakland Athletics. And then I start thinking, well, you got all these guys, whether it's Blackburn and it's Cotton, it's Caprellian, and it's Holmes. And I mean, you start going down the line of all these different players. And I'm thinking about the possible rotation you may have next year because of this battle in spring training. You have to be excited that you're going to have a strong five down there in Las Vegas, no matter how it shapes out. Absolutely. There's going to be a tremendous competition in spring training for those rotation spots. And there's so many great candidates, but there is going to be the trickle-down effect. And, you know, some of those names you just mentioned are going to be in the mix for, for the big league rotation. And then, uh, you know, whoever whoever competes well and, and earns those spots, fantastic. But there's going to be people that have to start the year in AAA. And I, I think we're going to be well-equipped to have a really good five-starting starting man rotation. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, you're not going to go with the same five guys all year long at, at the big club, and I think Chris Bassett is going to be somebody because he's out of options. They're going to want to have on uh, on the big club roster, whether he's starting or, or he's going to be a long man. But I think a lot of these guys, how do you prepare them for that? Because, you know, some of these guys, they may go out and they throw the ball great in spring training, but they're going to AAA. But you just got to keep reminding them, like, hey, there's a really good chance you're going to get an opportunity to be at the big league level this year well that's the great thing about the open days is the, the opportunity to, to get to the big leagues and stay there and perform there is so great and you see that in the, the roster flux at the big league level and then it, it comes down to us at the triple a level where you're always a phone call away from going to the big leagues and you know some guys when they go they don't come back and some guys are on that shuttle that up and down shuttle so i think our organization in general does a great job of utilizing our depth and utilizing our farm system to help them at the big league level. So the players feel that, and they know that, hey, I just have to keep my head, my head down and keep working hard and, and understand that I need to prepare at a major league level because I'm only that one phone call away. And to a man, these guys buy in, and, and they're always ready to go. Now that you've, you've taken some time after the playoffs and you're back home, 
And I know we talked about it a couple times with you, and of course it's something that we discussed at nauseum up here at the big league level, was the baseball. And the record home runs, over 2,000 more in AAA. We know about the record home runs at the big league level. Now that you've had time to kind of think about it, how do you reflect this past season with the baseball? Uh, there, was, there was definitely a difference. Uh, the first year in the, the TCL and AAA and, and as a whole using the major league ball, definitely a difference. You know, the, the numbers, the math, I, I can't really speak on that, but just the the way the balls were flying out of not just our park in Las Vegas where there's, there's an elevation, there's a thin air aspect, but every park that we went to was something that we didn't really see the year before. And, you know, whether they're going to address that or whether it's something that's a concern to, to Major League Baseball is is really not, not my concern, but it's it, it's interesting to watch and to, to see the offensive numbers and really the offensive explosion that happened last year at the AAA level. Yeah, we would be looking at the numbers, and we do the David Force show every single week, and we're like, David, how do you evaluate? I mean, if you're a guy playing up, let's say, in Reno, and you're playing for the Aces, and you're in high up elevation. I remember a couple of years ago, I was in a casino looking down in Reno, and the whole field was covered with snow. I mean, you're up there pretty high. It's like, are the pitchers that bad, and are the hitters that good? It's just it's so tough to evaluate. Yeah, it, it, it makes it difficult to evaluate, but uh, I promise you we have a, a matrix that can either dull the numbers a little bit depending on where we're playing or, uh, you know, balance them to, to give you a pretty accurate picture of how people are doing, whether they're a, a pitcher or a position player. So, you know, I, I trust that the way that we evaluate our players is sound and accurate, and I, I think you see that in the way that, our, our major league guys perform, and then the guys that come from AAA go to the big leagues and perform as well. When you get that opportunity to tell a player that he's going up to the big leagues and you know this guy has been dreaming his entire life for this, what is that conversation like for you when you get to tell the guy he's finally going to live out his dream? By far the best part of my job. Um, you know, there's, there's two different – there's two different conversations. You know, there's up and down guys, guys that have been to the big leagues, guys who you're not telling for the first time that they're going to the major leagues. As, as special as that is and as rewarding as that is, there's nothing better than telling a player he's going to the major leagues for the first time. And just to see the raw emotion on their faces and every guy is different and every guy's path is different. Uh, the, the, the work that they've put into their craft, the improvement that's, that they've made over the, the course of their minor league career, then – to get that that conversation with with me that they're going to the big leagues it's by far the best part of my job so do you, do you have a different speech for each individual guy or do you try and keep it the same i do uh, like i said every guy's different every guy's journey's different and i i i feel that i i have a relationship based on my time with them that i think it would be doing them an injustice just to have a, a canned speech of, of their their uh their major league promotion so you know it, it could be based on past experiences we've had uh, on the field off the field it could be something that we share uh inside joke it could be something that happened over the course of the last couple of weeks that i'll try to incorporate it could be you know teasing them a little bit or maybe uh you know playing a little practical joke on on the fact that they are going up or it, it could be one of a million things but uh, I, I try to keep it fresh and I, I try to tailor it to the individual player. 
And then there's that guy that maybe got a shot years ago who now is like 30, 31. He's just wondering, you know, should I stay in this? Do I need to go find another career? Do I want to stay in baseball as a coach? What's it like telling a guy who probably thinks I'm never going to get that shot ever again, and he does get that shot? Yeah, I mean, there's there's two guys that, that come to mind right now, Brian Slitter and Corbin Joseph, and those are those are guys that are older AAA players and haven't been to the big leagues in a few years. And to be able to tell them, just to see the – the look of relief, the, the look of accomplishment. I, I did it. I got back to the big leagues. This is something that I've been working working for for three, four, five years now. And the fact that I, I hung in there and was able to get back to the big leagues, that's, that's another kind of special moment for, for those guys as well. So I'm looking at the AFC Conference. And, Fran, I also work for the Oakland Raiders, and the Raiders got a big Thursday night victory last night over the Chargers. They're now 5-4, and four, so they're in the playoff mix. But I'm looking at your Buffalo Bills at 6-2. and two. Should I be buying the Buffalo Bills right now? <laughs> I'm a little bit jaded being a Bills fan my entire life. And, uh, the 6-2 six, the six and two that they sit at right now doesn't seem as good as the uh, the Patriots seven and one, or you know, even what, even what Oakland's been able to do in their last four games. So, uh, I'm I'm pretty jaded with what's happened the last two decades of my 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 life watching the Buffalo Bills. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off judgment, and I think you should too, because if you look at what their offense is doing, or more accurately, not doing, it's a little concerning. But they do have a stout defense, and uh, you know they're 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 tough to score on. So, I think that that's been a huge part of their success so far yeah three and oh away from buffalo and four and one in the conference i just gotta think as a bills fan you gotta friend at some point you gotta go when's tom brady gonna retire when is he gonna leave our lives <laughs> it's it's been pretty tough to be in the afc east for the last 15 years with him kind of dominating and the patriots as a whole kind of dominating but you know what you gotta be you gotta beat the best if you want to be the best and uh hopefully they they keep staying this course and at the end of the year can at least make the playoffs and make a little bit of a run. Fran, good luck to your Buffalo Bills, and I know soon the snow's going to fall and you can't wait to get to Arizona in spring training, and I can't wait to meet you down in spring training, so we'll see you down in Mesa. I look forward to it. Thanks for having me. Fran Reardon, the manager of the Las Vegas Aviators, the greatest offensive ball club in the history of baseball. Even better than the Yankees. It's like Fran had Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig and those guys. No one circles the wagons like the Buffalo. Buffalo, they're 6-2. and two. Can you imagine? Yes, I can imagine. It's like he had John Elway for all those years. It's like, God, when is this guy going to retire? Brady's worse, though. He wants to play forever. Literally, Tom Brady wants to play forever. He wants to play until he's like 45. And what are you going to do? Tell him no? What are you going to do? You're going to say, no, Tom, yeah, 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 you can't play anymore. Well, they already tried running him out once. And uh, how'd that work? They traded the guy away that Belichick wanted to replace him. So. No, that's so <laughs> overblown. Hey, Raider fans have to deal with Patrick Mahomes for a long time still. You, so. you realize how overblown that is. Hey, I You just... realize the Niners called. And as, and, and as, as Lynch said, hey, is Brady an option? And Belichick laughed. So that whole overblown, they want to keep Garoppolo, that thing was so over. There is no way in hell they were ever going to trade Tom Brady. 
By the way, Tom Brady, 14 touchdowns, five picks this year. Yeah, I know. He's my quarterback. Yeah. 2,536. Tom, he's Tom Brady. They were never, ever – like, that was the whole thing because they tried – ESPN had that whole thing, that whole series of articles about how things were – Seth Wickersham wrote the article. It was actually a really good article. Remember, John Lent – so they were, like, kind of Garoppolo and then hung up. When Lynch called him back, said, well, would you trade Tom Brady? And he was like, stop. It was like, because it came out right before the Super Bowl, kind of like the Astros. You understand what I'm saying, Yeah. Right? It's in that article where Belichick was like, stop. Don't, don't even bring Tom. You're not, not trading Tom Brady. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, Brady and, Brady and Belichick don't get along. Well, they may not all the time. But you know what? Neither did Montana and Walsh. They've only been together for, like, what, uh, almost 20 years? I not don't... everybody. But, but you know what? The for- they both know the formula works. The formula works. The question will always Ask be. Ask Ray Fossey. You think all those A's teams got along in the early 70s? No. No. Just like the question will always be, how good would Brady have been without Belichick and vice versa? How good would Belichick been without Brady? I mean, Belichick wasn't that bad when he coached the Browns. He ain't winning all these titles without <laughs> this guy. And do you think that guy's winning all the titles without Belichick? I don't know. But the bottom line <laughs> is it doesn't matter. You know? If I was 6'5", do you think I'd be sitting here with you? You really? If I was 6'5", do you think I'd be sitting here with you? Maybe. Probably not. But you know what? I'm not 6'5", so I'm sitting here with you. By the way, I woulda, f- coulda, shoulda. I feel. By the way, I feel very jaded that you didn't. Uh, you didn't mention the star from the Raider game last night, Eric Harris, out of California University of Pennsylvania. You said none of us make it anywhere. Look, there's two guys well, in he, Oakland. He, he's made it. There's two guys in Oakland that have made it. Well, he's made it. Who's the other one? Yeah, me. Oh, yeah, Commander Cody. <laughs> this is making it, isn't it? Like, we've made it. We work for Major League Baseball. and We and work Eric, for a Major League Baseball team. And Eric Harris works for the National Football League. Yeah, wait a minute. What, what else can he ask for? I did not realize the great Fran Reardon was in Buffalo. <sighs> that really is. That, that's, a, that's, a whole, that's a whole different level, right? I mean, you start talking about minus 30. I just I I can't I I can't imagine. I mean, that's why everybody moves to Arizona or Florida in baseball. Fran is legit. Fran goes home. I'm curious. Just like I, I mentioned to you, I want. I'm curious to see how many people he's put through a table because I know he's a member of Bills Mafia. I'm, I want to see how many people the next time. Fran, we got to ask you. Bill, Bills made it Super Bowl. Fran, how many uh, how many guys have you put through a table so far uh, as a member of Bills Mafia? Like. Soon as that snow would fall, yours truly, yours truly would be out by now. Like we're in Green Bay, and I'm like, how cold does it get? Winnipeg? We're in Winnipeg. The lady was, oh yeah, it gets like my, it can be minus forty five, minus forty five. I was, um, I was interviewing Lou Trevino's uh, college coach at Slippery Rock yesterday for for building. Oh, a hero. The, did you tell him where you went? Oh, the, I said, coach, let's put it aside. PSAC conference. I went to Cal. Did, did he hang up on you guys? Uh, he was like, well, all right, I'll, I'll put it aside for now. But uh, he told me it's already, it already snowed in Pennsylvania. It's uh, November – it was November 7th yesterday. Oh, poor people. I mean, I grew up there. I know what it's like. But, I mean, usually my parents call me and tell me when it snowed. Um, he's like, To yeah, where it like snows snowed. November, December, January, February, March. If it's a long winter, it goes into April. Yeah. So it's been weird the last – How about co- when you can ski up in Tahoe on July 4th? <laughs> I mean, Seriously. And then they still tell us we have a drought. And they said, wait, wait, there's snow in the mountains till July. What do you mean we have a drought? You know why? Because they always want you paying for water. 
It's conspiracy theory. That's all. That's it. That's it. We have a lot to get into. We just got so excited with Fran. So I have a couple things I need to get into today. One is I'm not down with my guy, Tony Clark, from a business standpoint. Now, when you say Tony Clark, Townsend, what are you talking about? And talking about Tony Clark, who is the president of the MLB Players Association, is that his official title? Executive director of the Major League Baseball Players Association. You should get him on, Commander Cody, because Tony Clark and I played on all-star teams together in San Diego as kids. And if you don't if you don't remember Tony Clark, longtime Tiger, first pick in the draft. Tony, like when we were like 13, 14, or was it 14, 15, whatever, he was already 6'6. Remember, this guy was a star in San Diego. He was a star basketball, baseball player. He signed to go to Arizona for basketball. Ended up leaving Arizona and going to San Diego State. But he was a star. And he was the number one pick. I want to say he was the number one pick in the draft by the Detroit Tigers. And they actually gave him... He was number two. Who was number one? Oh, Chipper Jones. Was it Chipper Jones was ahead of him? Because we were all born in 72. I was supposed to go early, and for some reason, did not happen. Check. I think Chipper, jo- Chipper Jones would have been first. He would have been second. So, Tony actually got um, Illich, the owner for the Tigers. He owned what? Domino's Pizza? Was it Domino's? Little Caesar. Little Caesar. Tony actually got some 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 pizza joints to go in with his contract. It was fascinating. So all of a sudden, can you imagine being 18 years old? You get paid this huge signing bonus, and all of a sudden you get like a couple pizza franchises? I mean, he had a really good career. And I remember late in his career what he did for, for the Diamondbacks as kind of a do-it-all guy. Get Tony Clark on the program and talk about what's going Because right now... We are headed towards collusion. And I don't agree with it. Alex Anthopoulos, general manager of the Atlanta Braves, formerly of the Toronto Blue Jays and Los Angeles Dodgers, he made a statement talking about, I've talked to a lot of these, long story short, he's talked to a lot of these teams around baseball about what they're looking at this offseason. And, of course, what happens with that? Well, right now the Players Association is very sensitive. They're very sensitive because the way free agency is set up from years ago really is at fault of years past negotiations. So basically, we have a collective bargaining agreement. You have Major League Baseball, and you have the Players Association. They come together at towards the end of every CBA, and they negotiate a deal of how the game is going to work between the owners and the players. 
And once you sign that deal, those are the rules. You can read the CBA. I'm not going to do it. You can do it. It's out there. You can read the CBA and know all the rules. The rules are in there about contracts, free agency, drug testing. I mean, all this stuff. The rules, it's the rules of baseball. And these two entities agree on it, sign it, and there you go. So as long as that CBA is in existence from start to finish, that's how you govern the game. Well, here's the problem. Long story short, years ago, veteran players wanted it this way. They wanted the money as they got older. And that's when they set out, set up this arbitration thing that to me is not good for the game in any way. And the players want to get paid later when they become free agents. They didn't care about the young guys getting paid. They didn't care about that. It was the older guys with the representatives of the MLB Players Association that they wanted to get paid older, late 20s, early 30s. That's when they're going to get paid. That's their payday. That's the way the game's set up because not everybody gets to the big leagues at 20 to 22 years old. You know, these guys get to the big leagues at 24, 25, 26. You're now not a free agent till 30, 31, 32. Then you get paid. Well, now the game is flipped. With all these numbers and without PEDs, we're back to what reality is. That a grown man does not get better as he gets older. No offense, older guy. But that's a reality. And even early in your 30s, what happens to you in your 30s versus your 20s? A lot of things happen. Some people start to lose their eyesight. Some people start to lose, you start losing your eyesight, my God, think about that. Remember F.P. Santangelo telling me years ago, all of a sudden I can't see a slider, I'm done. You start losing things, hand-eye coordination, flexibility. You don't perform the way you do at 33 that you do at 26, 27. Time will not lose. Great ones can extend it longer, but most people aren't great. Coming up next, I will kind of get into this a little more about how I don't agree with the players' union from a business standpoint. Because I don't want to see an old-school standoff between the owners and the players and we're going to have labor strife. I don't think we are going to have labor strife. And I don't think... Long-term, people are worried about the veterans like they used to be. And some people go, oh, that's wrong. Is it really? We'll talk about it next right here on A's Cast Live. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Austin left field deep. Bam going back, looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Hits one out. Beat on. So he's your home run derby 
champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. By the way, if you're heading to New York, I've got a place for you to stay. It's a lovely place. Lovely. There's no place like it in New York. And it's super cheap. <laughs> I saw this story. I was like, you got to be kidding me. I don't, when do I bust that out, Commander? Because it really is a mind-blowing I think we, I think we get to it today, and we go look and see when the A's are in New York to play the Mets or the uh, the Yankees. I'll be in New York coming up here in a couple weeks. See if the uh, Raiders will put you up there. Yeah, they may. They may. They I keep mean, if they keep winning, why why not? Whoa, are you kidding me? If not, ask my guy Eric Harris. He'll he'll, he'll put you up in there. Oh yeah, like, hey Derek Carr. I mean, you got that kind of money. You're not going to believe how much this thing is. I saw it, and I like I I, I sent it to Cody because you know some people say the most beautiful place at Christmas time. Is New York. Go to New York for Christmas. I got a place for you to stay. I'll have that coming up for you in a little bit. So I told you, baseball years ago set up for free agents to be older guys. But with all our smarty smartisans out there and players, it just seems right or wrong are more big league ready than ever before. And we have so many of these guys contributing at young ages, go look at all the top players, 30 down, 25, below 25, stars all over the place. And what's happening is, is that they now look at the metrics or, not, you know, whatever you want to look at. They look at it and go, guys get older, they're not as good. And why do we want to commit to a guy? I mean, you remember these bad contracts. We still have some of them. I don't think we'll ever see them again. Where we're paying Albert Pujols till he's 42. Oh, yeah. Miguel Cabrera paying till he's 41. I mean, we're not. Those are dumb contracts. You got away with those contracts in the steroid era because guys on steroids didn't lose it. And PEDs. Because what happens with these certain PEDs, depending on what you're taking, not only did you keep your strength. It was one thing Tony Gwynn brought up years ago, which was fascinating. It kind of blew some people's minds. and Because we always thought about PEDs making you stronger. I can hit the ball further. I can hit the ball harder. Canseco, look how big he is. He's like, Bonds, they're monsters. McGuire. Tony Gwynn brought it up. It also really improves your eyesight. So as I talked about how eyesight goes for some people, like, I have just, for the first time in my life, probably the last two years, where all of a sudden, like, I, I, I'm i now starting to, my eyesight is starting to change. Luckily, I went well into my 40s. Some guys, I'm telling you, in the 30s, starts going bad. But when you're taking those steroids, and depending on what you're taking, really helps the eyesight, too. So that's why we could see guys having monster years at 38, 39. It wasn't real. Well, now these guys can't do this stuff. So why would I, like, if a guy comes out, he's 33 years old. I'm not signing him long term. Are you crazy? These guys fall off the cliff. Unless he's going to be a DH. And gonna be, you're cool with him being a long-term DH. 
I the thing that's going to be good for our game is a fact that all these star young players are taking extensions. That's the problem for Tony Clark, the executive director of Major League Baseball Players Association. Everybody wants these guys to go to free agency like Scott Boris's guys, drive up the market, get as much as you possibly can. But the modern-day player is sitting there saying, wait a minute, I'm... 25 years old. I'm 26 years old. Hell, I'm 22 years old. These guys want to offer me $100 million. Like, it's $100 million. Like, I can have, I put my signature on a contract right now, and I'm getting $100 million. And you're telling me to wait five years to go to free agency because I'll get more? Well, I can have $100 million now, and I'm good. And that's what you're seeing all over baseball. And it's frying the players' association, the heads of the players' association. And I think they're wrong. I actually had this conversation. I'm not going to mention his name, but there's a guy that worked for, works for the Raiders who worked for a bunch of Major League Baseball teams back in the day. And we had this conversation yesterday about it because of all this that's going out. Collusion. You know, not everybody wants to break the bank. Not everybody is equipped to break the bank. Not everybody can handle being the hired gun. Now, a lot of you go, Townsend, that's crazy. No, it's not. Friend of the program, Barry Zito, the money affected him. Because Barry Zito, being who he is, went from being family in Oakland to being a hired gun in Oakland. I mean, in San Francisco. And everybody walking around looked at him as a dollar sign. Not as Barry Zito, but as a dollar sign. And when you make that big money, they expect you to go throw out a shutout every single outing. They expect you to always hit every single game. You don't have the goodwill built up when you stay with the same team. If Mike Trout goes through a lull, no one's booing him. Take any of these guys who have signed an extension with the team. Arenado goes through a, goes through a drought. They're not booing him. They love him. You're Bryce Harper, hired gun. 13 years, 300-whatever million, you go through He gets booed. He's booed in his first year. You think they have ever booed Mike Trout? Nope. Are they ever going to boo Mike Trout? Nope. Bryce Harper's booed in his first year because there's no, there's no there there. He's not their guy. He's the hired free agent gun. And not everybody mentally can handle that. Money does things to people. We know that. Money does crazy things to people. It changes. It changes you. It changes your family. There's plenty of examples out there, not to get too personal. Wives change. I'm telling you, some people are cool with $120 million. They don't need to be a free agent to go for $300 million. 
Some of these kids grew up dirt poor in different countries. Dirt poor. And now you're offering him $110 million and you're telling him not to sign that? What if he blows out his knee? What if he gets hit in the head? What if he gets hit in the eye? Kirby Puckett and career's over. He never took that money because you wanted him to wait to be a free agent? That's what I'm banking on is basically all the star players for the most part, the guys we really care about, they're under contract. There's been so many extensions in baseball that when the collective bargaining agreement's up, all the top players are going to be under a deal. So why would they not want to play? Because a 33-year-old didn't get his contract? Boo-hoo. Sorry. Game's gone younger. Think about all these players, because we had Scott Boris on this program, and I brought this up to him, and he wanted no part of it. But I said, Scott, that to me, since the Red Sox won the World Series, I'd say from when the Red Sox won the World Series to where we are today, we've had a record number of extensions. There's extensions everywhere. Why would those guys want labor stoppage? They're not getting paid. Because you're worried about Cole Hamels? Because you're worried about old guys? Do you still have that, the, the uh, Commander, do you still have the Boris audio? When Boris did not want to get into this with me? Uh, I'd have to check. By the way, the number is well over 30 extension signs since last Oh, year. it's over 40. Yeah, because you remember, because, like, remember. It's Acuna, well over 40. The one that people got really mad about was the Acuna deal where he took eight for, what was it, eight for 100, and Bregman got five for 100. And Acuna was over 100. It was, over it, was, 100. it was eight for 100 million. And then, but the one that was, war, though, everyone got mad about was Ozzy Albies, the, you know, all-star second baseman from the Braves took five years for $35 million. Everyone's like, why is he doing that? But you brought up how, you know, some of these guys come from poor poor families in poor countries. That's a lot of money for for a guy like Ozzy Eight Alves. years for $100 million living in Atlanta, Georgia for Acuna. And in eight years, he's what? 20, he'll be 28, uh, he'll be 29, I think. So he'll be able to enter free agency at age 29. <laughs> Seriously. You want to tell a guy not to put $100 million in your bank account right now? Guarantee you $100 million right now in your bank account? Look at Bregman. Bregman's a good example, too. He's young. He's, what, 25, and he took a five-year deal. He'll be 30 when he hits free agency. There's been a little r- rumor that we could be seeing that with uh, Matt Chapman this offseason. Be great to see. I mean, someone's going to – like right now, if you told me, Townsend, I'm going to give you let, – let's let, let's just $5 million. But if you wait for another seven years, I might be able to get you 10. Hell, I could be dead. I'll take the five now. I'll put five in my account now. Sorry, older players. The yesteryear generation players put you in a bad spot. And analytics and all the stuff we know about older players has put you in a bad spot. The game has gone younger. And here's something. Coming up next, this is something that I totally disagree with from a business standpoint. And if you own a business or you run a business, I think you will exactly agree with me. This is another thing that in this sold, this basically what we're calling a cold war, why it's ridiculous. I'll tell you next, right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. We are efforting to uh, find our Scott Boris audio. 
where he's a ma- he's a master of not answering questions. So we'll get into that in just a little bit. So the big complaint right now, as the Baseball Players Association has opened an investigation, basically talking about collusion, where Anthopoulos, Alex Anthopoulos, the general manager of the Atlanta Braves, just, you know, in a comment said, you know, I've talked to just about everybody in baseball, you know, about their, you know, what, what they're thinking about, and wait a minute, you can't do that. And I, and I just... I hear that and I go, we're in business. I mean, just think how ridiculous that is, okay? So, Major League Baseball is the umbrella. Every team under the umbrella is a franchise, okay? These are franchises underneath one umbrella that is Major League Baseball, a la Starbucks, a la McDonald's, whatever franchise whether it's tires, cars, we have franchises all around us, right? Brinkard, who owns what? Chevy's, Chili's, they're franchises. Major League Baseball, the A's, are one of 30 franchises. NFL, one of 32 franchises. So this rule, and this happened a long, long time ago, what happened was, was that years ago in baseball, Franchises got together, and they tried to control spending, where they all got together and said, don't spend. And then there was a whole scuttlebutt about it. And, you know, Barry Bonds challenged it, where you look at Barry Bonds' last year and say, you wouldn't sign that guy? Well, it was Barry Bonds. Well, you can maybe just say, the headache's not worth it. The headache's not worth the numbers. But that's what they want to fight against, is... All 30 teams getting together going, hey, this offseason, don't anybody spend. Shh, don't tell anybody. We got the GM meetings coming up here recently. But the fact that we cannot talk to another franchise about what your needs are because the players' union doesn't like it, things collusion, I think is a joke. What business can't talk to another business? You realize the Big Mac. I'm going to give you a great example. And this was given to me years ago, being in the restaurant business. How many Big Macs are sold a year? Let's see. What's the number? What's the number? McDonald's estimates there are 550 million Big Macs are sold each year in the U.S. alone. And that's probably wrong because that's 2007. Whatever, there's a bazillion. Did you know Ray Kroc, who started McDonald's, they did a movie about it. Ray Kroc did not invent the Big Mac. One of his franchisees, do not get on the mic and say what you're about to say. Nobody cares. Cody's going to bring it back to Pennsylvania. Nobody cares. Uh, Go ahead. Go ahead. I know you want to do it. Right outside of Pittsburgh, the Big Mac was, I guess, would you say invented, created? A franchisee. So my brother and I at one time were looking to franchise the restaurant. And we were told this story about how franchises 
when you franchise, some of your franchisees will help you with new product. So Ray Kroc and early McDonald's, they didn't sell the Big Mac. It was a franchisee who sold, who who created in his kitchen, created a thing called the Big Mac, started selling it, went back to Ray Kroc and said, hey, this is a big seller. Wham, we have the Big Mac. But if we were baseball, this is baseball, the guy who was making the Big Mac couldn't tell the other teams about it because we can't talk about that. It's ridiculous. I should be able to, let's say I run the Seattle Mariners. Why can't I call down to the Angels and say, hey, Billy Upler, how's everything going? How's the offseason? How's the family? Great, great. Yeah, well, you know, this is what we're looking to do. What are you thinking? Don't they do that anyway? If, if, if I call David Forst and I'm looking to do a trade, David's going to tell me his interest, and I'm going to tell him mine. Is that collusion? No, that's how trades get done. How can I know what David wants if I don't ask him? David, what are you guys looking for? I'm looking for a second baseman. Well, we've got a second baseman. That's great. Well, then um, I'm going to look around at your minor league guys, and I'm going to see who on your minor league level I'm interested. Aren't they doing that anyway? How would you get a trade done if you're not talking about each other's needs and wants? It's almost like the players' union is dying. It's almost like a dinosaur. It really is. We're protecting the players. How do you protect the players? I don't even get it. Like, if a player gets in trouble, when when is... Oh, the players... You pay dues into this union. How does it really even help you anymore? Now, I... Listen, I could be... We'll ask Dallas Braden coming up. I just don't know what the union really does for play. I mean... I guess it helps negotiate the CBA, and you want to help with that. And by the way, Donald Fear, back in the day, who ran the Players Union, you want to know why there are steroids in baseball? You can blame Bud Seeley, which you should, but you should also blame Donald Fear. Donald Fear basically looked across to multiple commissioners and said, if you think you're going to test our players, we are going to strike. He claimed holy war on it. You test our guys for anything, we're walking out. That was the players' union. And, like, a lot of people forget about that. He uh, he should own as much of the steroid era as, as Bud Seeley. But I don't see what is wrong at all from one general manager calling another general manager saying, hey, what are you guys thinking about this winter? Because... There's no general manager that's going to call another guy going, hey, don't you dare offer Garrett Cole. You don't tell me what to do. I'll offer Garrett Cole whatever the hell I want. They're just scared of the collusion, which is, hey, everybody, don't offer anybody big money, which then I would understand. But Alex Anthopoulos is spending money, and they're looking to add. Is there anything wrong with going around? Because – how am I going to find out the temperature of what another team might be interested in unless I ask some questions? It's business. We're all franchises. I I can't trade with an NFL team. 
I can't trade with an NBA team. I can only trade with Major League Baseball teams. So how am I not asking that? I mean, you think when those guys get together at the GM meetings, they're not going to be talking to each other about, all right, hey, listen, I need starting pitching. And you know what my depth is in the minor leagues? I got infielders. And you know what? You need infielders. I need pitching that can help me at the big league level. You need infielders to stock your minor league system. Let's talk, baby. It's called business. This whole thing about a holy war or a cold war and all this kind of stuff between the players' union, man, this thing, this thing's absolutely tired. By the way, we found it for you. Scott Boris on Matt Chapman's contract. We're talking about, hey, we're looking for an extension, Scott. What do you think? You know, I think when you have Matt in an organization, we always do. We listen, obviously, because that's what Matt's instructed me to do because um, I work for Matt and and – and in the process of the ownership and the Fisher family and and uh, and Billy and David, obviously we sit down and talk about it. I think the Oakland the Oakland franchise is one that's it's. I think being from Northern California, you can explain to your clients a lot about where where we're going here, and this is really going to be a an excellent base for a major league franchise because uh, we're going to see this Bay Area grow from nine ten million people to 13 14 we're going to see the transition of the city of oakland uh you know we're going to see a lot of people that are in the workforce in the 30s and 40s the the tech world and corporate uh dynamic we're going to we're going to see major changes in this area and coupled with that is the future of major league baseball because i think major league baseball is going to have a you just have a market in japan and korea that is almost an additional you know 180 million people so you may see as many as five franchises. And then you're going to have this time zone. You're going to have a, a trans-Pacific uh, entity to our game. Um, so I, I think we're uh, to have franchises in these areas grow up to be what they should be, and that is major components of the league. Um, I think Oakland has all that. And that definition and that evolution, I think this ownership has a vision for, uh, beginning with the stadium. And once players see that that actually is going to happen and that this becomes a destination to stay, uh, then the, the culture of what players think of Oakland is not a three- or four-year stay, but maybe a career dynamic. Uh, once that is something that is realized and believed uh, with the definition of a base and an ownership uh, commitment to do all that, I think then you're going to see players look at this area and and this franchise very differently than they did in the past uh what's up with matt chapman and his contract <laughs> how do we get to uh japan and korea? japan and korea land the plane my man where are we land the plane he just goes on and on it's like you gotta land the plane bro get to the point matt chapman extension uh he's not gonna be in korea or japan we're talking about oakland the great Scott Boris. Coming up next, the great Dallas Brayton will join us next right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Broadcasting from the town, here's Chris Townsend. Dallas Brayton is going to be joining us in moments. And, of course, Dallas is going to be down in Arizona for Fantasy Camp January 9th through the 14th. 
That's it's an experience of a lifetime. It's going to be Dallas, Jason Giambi, Dave Stewart, Vita Blue, Burt Campanaris, Bobby Crosby, Carney Lansford. I believe our man, Shooty Babbitt. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. You get to be, you get to be a big leaguer for a week. On the field, in the white unis, the green unis. Then at night, you get to hang out, have some cocktails and dinner. Does it get any better? Dallas, does it get any better than that? It really doesn't, my friend. You're talking about living a dream on a big league ball diamond with, uh, I don't know if they're your favorite. Yes, of course, they're your favorite ball players from past and present because you're an A's fan, and that's A's fantasy camp, County. So, as you mentioned, food, fun, cocktails, Big league baseball, big league stories that aren't shared anywhere else other than the friendly confines of that big league clubhouse you will be spending a week at. So I I really don't know where else you go to fulfill that kind of an experience, that kind of a lifelong dream, a bucket list endeavor. We've got you covered. Yeah, because I'm looking at January 9th through 14th, and I'm saying to myself, if you know somebody – who is a huge A's fan, I, I, I'm, I'm saying as a Christmas gift, it wouldn't be any better than this. Well, I mean, Tony, that's the thing is Christmas right around the corner. So obviously that is a choice. I think a little broader, though. What better way to get three or four of your good buddies together for a 40th birthday bash or to relive an epic moment in fantasy football history or somebody's birthday who knows what it is bachelor bachelorette parties that's one thing i need to get across very quickly is this isn't just reserved for the men for the male baseball fan nay nay folks there have been some absolute gunslingers out there that are daddy's little girl and it is so fun to watch them mop the diamond with the guys who show up their day one big bat brawny hitting bombs and batting practice and they are a shell of a man at the end of the week when those ladies are up there on the bump slicing and dicing. So, ladies, don't be afraid to come out and get some dirt under your nails. It's a great time. Bragging rights for the entire year is what's at stake. Wow, a bachelorette or bachelor party at Ace Fantasy Camp. That would be awesome. It's incredible. It's incredible, Tony, because think about being able to offer your bachelor and or bachelorette party the ability to hang out with current and retired big league ball players for a week. Pretty sweet. If you bring a bachelorette party to this, uh, uh, t- t- tell all your gals, I'll be buying the drinks. I'll buy the drinks for that. <laughs> That's right. Body shots on DB. Let's go. <laughs> I, I, I want to ask you this because we've been getting into it because Alex Anthopoulos, who is the general manager of the Braves, Basically said, you know, I've talked to most guys in the game, general managers, my fellow, my fellow general managers, and we, you know, we pretty much know what everybody's thinking. And then here comes the Baseball Players Association and Tony Clark, and they're, oh, this is like collusion. You know, the majority of the players that we have, the top players have all signed extensions. There's very little free agents like we used to have in the past. And now, really what the Players Association is truly trying to protect the older player, which baseball is going younger. 
I'm just starting to wonder in the future of baseball here where guys want to sign these extensions for 80 to 100 plus million and they're good. And the Players Association just wants everybody to go to free agency and drive up the price, but not everybody wants to do that. What really is the role of the Major League Baseball Players Association now? What do you think it really is going to be going forward? It is it has been and it will always be the entity that is supposed to have the best interest of current, former, future, and past present players. Everybody that has donned the uni is who the association should have at the top of their list in terms of who we are taking care of. And just like any union county, you are going to bat for the betterment of your group. And we are literally trying to make sure that the compensation stays the same. And what do I mean? I don't mean that you're only going to get this much and we're only willing to pay this much or this is where you fall. I mean that that process maintains a level of fairness and integrity that everybody can live with. And it sucks that I say that everybody can live with because that's the world we live in. There's been a lot of conversation about tampering with the conversation and the comments from double-A Alex Anthopoulos. Um, Is that foreign to you? Is that a foreign idea to you that a group of businesses or business owners would get together either physically or over the phone or via pigeon carrier and get a feel for the climate in which they are doing business in? Is that weird? Are you you shocked to hear that? Because I wasn't. That's something I know that happens every single day and it happens every day during the regular season every day during the off season the idea is if we actually had video footage of individuals going into the best western to sit down over um, a continental breakfast to tell us what free agents are going where well now that's a different story but that's just not the case and this is the climate we're in so again Back to the association and what their role is, what their responsibility is, is to make sure that around every corner, when a comment like this is made, we need to see just how deep those roots go. And to my point, is that just a conversation that's happening over the phone? Or are you guys actually getting on an airplane, going to an island and meeting physically and hashing out Who's going to be getting X amount of dollars from which team? Because that's where people have a problem. But Tony Clark, look, feed the horse and shine the armor because I appreciate the white knight effort. And that's exactly what you need when you are part of a group that needs a leader to make sure that you're not being screwed over. And that's really, in my opinion, kind of what this is right now. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. If, if if all the owners or all the GMs get together and say, hey, we're not paying anybody, I get it, then I'd be pissed and that's collusion. But how would you even do a trade if you couldn't call another general manager and say, hey, what are your needs and what are your wants? We wouldn't even have trades in baseball if we couldn't have those conversations. You're you're exactly right, Tony. I'm not doing my due diligence, right? If I'm going to call your brother and ask about a player and he's willing to come up off of him if I can acquire X player. Well, you know what? X player happens to be on your team. So should I now not call you to see what you'd be willing to part ways with or what you would be asking in order to part ways with so that I could eventually go and get the piece that I want from your brother? I would be a terrible general manager. I would be, I would, <laughs> I would be flipping your burgers, Tony. I would not be making sure your team is ready to compete at a championship level. 
Well, we do sell burgers at our restaurant, so if you ever want to flip burgers at the restaurant, you got a job. <laughs> I'm in, baby. Little elbow grease never hurt nobody. <laughs> All right, so I got two starters here. I got one starter who's in his prime. He's going to want a lot of money, and he's going to want a lot of years. I got another starter who is just a World Series MVP, a little bit older. He's had Tommy John. He's become a better pitcher now. I can get him for less, but once again, he's a little bit older. So if you're a general manager and you got to pick between Strasburg and Cole, knowing that one guy's more expensive, maybe better longer, how would you weigh in? Who would be your priority? Who would you want more? Well, right off the top, you have to think about longevity. So you automatically go to the medicals. And this is coming from a guy, Townie, who frankly can't wipe himself or stretch extensively without re-tearing something. So I understand the value of being present, manning that station. Now you pair that with the actual stuff and the, the advancement, the progression you've seen from Garrett Cole. And I find it really difficult to justify not wanting that guy right off the bat. Well, then you get into the financials and you understand that is going to require quite a bit of a commitment. There's probably going to be some opt-outs in there, which you might be able to finagle around. But at the end of the day, you want that kind of an animal, you're going to be paying the price tag for it. Strasburg represents, I don't know if it's a lesser tier. I think it's pretty clear that he doesn't have the stuff that Cole does, but the ability to dominate a lineup nonetheless. And we saw that in the most pivotal time of the baseball season, that being the postseason. But you do have to consider the injury history and whether or not Strasburg will be who he is three years from now, who he was this year. And you just don't know. And I think that's where general managers' heads go. You have to think, I'm going I'm to hand this guy $300 million in Garrett Cole. I need something that tells me he'll be able to man the post, all a, a, a Max Scherzer of sorts. Like, I'm going to get what I pay for here. And Garrett Cole doesn't really have those red flags around him. But as far as what you saw from Steven Strasburg, again, there's no reason to think that he is not a frontline type guy that can get you where you want to be, but you do run a little bit of a, of a risk acquiring Strasburg and signing him up because you know that there could be there could be some moments where you don't have him when you need him. I think about Madison Bumgarner, incredible career, what he's done in three different World Series from a, a young guy against the Rangers to an older guy coming out of the bullpen in Game 7 against Kansas City in 2014. But where he is right now, and he's got the qualifying offer on him, which means there's going to be a draft pick, what do you think he's got left? I don't know if it's the guy that you just mentioned from yesteryear. That's clearly not who Madison Bumgarner is. You take a look at some of those numbers, County, and the success away from AT&T or whatever the hell they're calling that ballpark these days is, is not great. Uh, that, that being said, everybody, I think, understands what a change of scenery can do for guys. And Madison Bumgarner is a guy who, frankly, I feel like if you have a pitching mound, he will feel at home. Now, there's a lot that goes into keeping Madison Bumgarner happy. you got to remember, this is a guy who has brought in a ton of outside revenue streams for the organization he plays for based on who he is. You know, the Carhartt, the Lumberjack stuff, it's all, you know, the, the I don't know if it's Dodge or whoever it is, no free ads, Townie, but they love the guy. They absolutely love the guy. What he has left on the mound, is it fair to say, is it, is it a fair question to ask 
that he might not have ever regained who he was after the dirt bike accident? Is that a fair question? Because if it is, I think you have to consider, again, sort of like the Strasburg effect, there's going to be, uh, it's not lingering, but there's just going to be a regression, in my opinion. I don't think you're going to see Madison Bumgarner like turn into the beast of yesteryear just because he's putting on a new uni. You know, a very special year for Marcus Simeon, and we've watched him grow at such length. It's unbelievable, as now he's a top three for the AL MVP. You know, watching him on an everyday basis, you've been around this game a long time, and to watch a guy struggle the way he did to where he is now, I don't know if you've ever seen a guy improve like the way he's improved, but what a season for him. And if anyone deserves a ton of praise, it's Marcus Simeon. He absolutely, Townie, deserved his name to be on the list, in the conversation, and on every ticker scrolling across the bottom of your screen or device in that MVP conversation. I don't know if you saw this, but Marcus Simeon's year last year was better, I believe, than any year Miguel Tejada ever put forth as a shortstop wearing the Oakland A uniform. That speaks volumes. Back to your point about the progression, though. What Marcus Simeon, I'll, I'll tell you, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Go to Fangraphs.com and look at Marcus Simeon's UZR rating and his defensive run save and look at that progression, folks, because you're talking about a guy turning and transforming himself from, there's no other word, but a liability to an absolute rock up the middle on a big league diamond. That is very hard to do. And then you think about the transition and the progression at the plate as well. Marcus at times was a guy who could, could be streaky. He'd get hot for two weeks and just be lights out. And then, you know, a little taper off effect didn't happen last year. You just watched Marcus Simeon put together quality at bat after quality at bat, hit the ball with authority more than he ever has. And the numbers reflect a guy putting in the work. It's that simple. It really is that simple. He's got a world of talent, an incredible athlete, but we know the saying, right? Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Well, Marcus Simeon shows up every single day with a hard hat and lunch pail, work boots, tight, tight, and he goes to work. And the scary part is he's uber talented, and we're just starting to see that blossom, albeit a little later maybe than he would have liked. We are getting to smell those roses, and I am here for it. Let's end on this, and you can't take bullpen. If there's one thing that you would like to see improved in the Oakland A's on their roster, 2020, can't take bullpen, what would it be? Well, you know, I, I, I think we all kind of saw some of the struggles that occurred at second base, whether it was Profar never really ever being able to get his feet underneath him and get going, some defensive issues as well. We know what kind of athletes we have in that lineup. Guys like Chad Pinder, there's guys like Franklin Barreto that are kicking around. I mean, there's there's guys laying in the wings down in AAA, Jorge Mateo. There's so I think it's just about adding a little bit of length, and I, I think paying attention to that side of the diamond is is maybe something to consider. You, you've got great defense all around, and you've got a pitching staff, a starting staff, who has a good idea of how to utilize their defense. So with some new arms coming into the rotation, I think that's obviously an easy answer is I'd like to see the rotation sort of rebuilt and repurposed. And I I think if we're going to get specific, 
We've got good athletes on that club. It's about pinpointing them or pinpointing somebody that you can plug in there that you're confident in to be able to give them everyday responsibility. You are the man we will be calling, and you know we'll be uh, promoting fan, uh, well, fantasy camp in January. It's going to be incredible. We'll talk to you soon, Dallas. Much love, Tony. Thanks for having me, brother. Have a good weekend. The great Dallas Braden right here. Can't say it enough. This is the gift that keeps on giving. January 9th through the 14th, A's Fantasy Camp. Sign up now. There's different tiers. Give you a phone number, 510-563-2363. That's 510-563-2363. It's this simple, okay? I'm just going to tell you this. Google, put Oakland A's Fantasy Camp. It's the top thing that comes up. Click on that. It'll give you all the information. Give you all the packages, everything. Great Christmas gift. Bachelorette or bachelor parties. Didn't think of that one. Dave Schoenfield from ESPN is going to join us coming up here at the top of the hour. Did a very interesting article for ESPN.com. And before we get to him here at the top of the hour, we're going to go through it. Guy most likely to sign the biggest deal. Obviously, Garrett Cole is the guy on that list, right? Commander, pretty easy. Going to break David Price's record of seven years, $217 million. They signed with the Red Sox in 2016. Now, the highest-paid guy this year was Scherzer at $42 million. So Cole is a year younger than Max Scherzer. Buying or selling, since Scherzer has been with the Nationals, his record is 79-39 and 39 with a 2.74 ERA. You think Cole can match that? Wherever he goes? I don't think the wins, no. But I think the ERA and strikeouts, yes. I think the... Innings pitch? I'd say a little under the innings pitch. How many... This is how many... Say how many innings... It doesn't hit? say, but I just know it's well, a ton. Because in Scherzer's first year at the Nationals, this is off the top of my head because I looked it up earlier, he went 14-12 and 12 with like a 2.79 ERA, four complete games, Three shutouts. He's never done that. That was the best. That, that was the best year of his career in terms of shutouts and complete games. Let's. It's a shutout. Is a complete game. So three of them were there. Then he had one extra complete game. I think Cole can match the strikeouts and and possibly the innings pitched in the ERA. The wins, no, because I don't think he's going to play for a team that's going to get as many wins as the Nats. And, sorry, if you go to the Angels, I don't. I don't think you're going to be winning ninety games a year every year. You know, it'll be a big transition for Cole once he signs this big deal. They're going to want more than six a game. Oh, yeah, and he's got to deliver. I mean, he's 29. I mean, he, Well, he, let's face it. Go look at his game log. There's a lot of six innings there. But picked, you can do that with the Astros because you got Verlander, right? You're the guy after Verlander. Now you are Verlander. So I give you $300 million. Expectations are going to be more than just get me into the seventh inning. He No, from what I remember – when he pitched with the Pirates, he did pitch deep in the games because he was Verlander for them. And then he was the guy. Now, then you're right. But he wasn't as good as he was in Houston. No, he wasn't throwing as hard. I mean, he was throwing hard, but he wasn't like anywhere near what he is now. I think that that's something he has to, you know, fully embrace and, you know, put that in his mind that, you know, I'm going to have to go seven or eight innings. If I'm pitching, if throw it out there, if he's pitching for the Angels, they had one guy this year go over 100 innings as a pitcher. One guy go, I think he won 102 innings as a starting pitcher. So, if you're going to be Garrett Cole, they're going to look for you to at least get 200 innings. Oh, 
At least. Well, well, well over two. And uh, last time I checked, the Angels' bullpen, not very good. So you're, they're going to rely on you to go hopefully seven or eight. Guy most likely to be the biggest steal, Young Jin Ryu. Coming off a season which he led the majors with a 2.32 ERA. But stunk it up late. His last few starts, he had a 5.40 ERA over his final seven regular season starts. He's age 33. He had Tommy John in 04 when he was an amateur. Then he's had some shoulder and some elbow issues. So... He could be the big steal. I don't see him getting huge money at age 33. No, but I agree 100%. I'm a big Ryu fan. I think that that's a that's – you, you called him the Japanese Greg Maddox. Yeah, I did. He's yes. Korean, I think, anyway. Or Korean yeah. Korean. Uh, yeah. Greg Maddox. I, he, I mean, he's – Even though he's left-handed. Yeah, he mixes right. his pitches. He, he, The ERA this year was great. I mean, he's, he was injured the last couple of years. So, last year and this year he's had a – he's been pretty – this year he was dominant. Uh, when I say dominant, he doesn't have a lot of strikeouts, but the ERA, the wins, the whip, everything was good for him. He, yeah, he struggled down the stretch, but I think he's a guy in a class with Cole and Strasburg and Bumgarner and Wheeler. I think Ryu's the guy that – I mean, he's the guy – him. And but Br- do they drive the price up? As their prices go up, his price goes up. Yeah, it probably will. I got another guy that's under – this is my own personal guy. I think it's going to be under the radar is Rick Porcello. I know he had the high – he always has the high ERA. but He plays in Boston, though. And he that's, had, that's, that's that's arguably he, the toughest twenty seven outs to get. Yeah, he's thirty years old. And I went back and looked at his wins the other day. He has like I think he's well. He's close to or at one hundred and fifty wins already. Now I'm not a big wins guy, as you know, but Porcello is a big game pitcher. He's won a Cy Young. He won twenty two games the other year. He's a guy that I think could get some money, and he'd be a he he'd be a great Oakland A. I mean, Oakland A's don't need starting. But I'm just saying, like he he's a guy like that's a guy. But they like, don't need it. So he'll they probably got their guys. I mean, he could be a, a free. And I know people. Tanner Roark, really? I mean, I'd rather I'd rather Porcello. I. Why do they need? We don't, they don't, don't need either of them. But they don't need either of them. I, I think I think uh, Porcello. This is me personally. Porcello, watch out for uh, Houston. I rather have Chris Bassett if he's not going to be in the starting five to start. I want him sitting in the wings. I rather have him than going out and spend millions on one of these veteran guys who. Eh. All right, guy most likely. To be the biggest bust, Nicholas Castellanos. Wow, is this unfair. 58 doubles on the year. He had a monster year between Detroit and Chicago. His last 51 games in Chicago hit 321 and slugged 646. We got to talk to Dan coming up here about this. Like, what? They're like fifteen million or so per season for three to four years. Fifteen million's nothing in baseball. That's middle of the road unless you're cheap. My whole thing with him, um, I, it, it would be, you know, everyone always goes, "Well, they acquired him the, for a playoff push." Uh, did the Cubs make the the playoffs? It wasn't his fault. No, I mean he did hit pretty well. And uh, Jesus, he did everything he now, could do. Now the Cubs are talking about trading Contreras and Chris Bryant and Javi oh, Baez. It's hey, hey, you don't. You don't bring Rossi in as a manager if you want a puppet. Yeah. Or if you're going to re- rebuild? Yeah, well, they might. Oh, sorry. They don't use rebuilding anymore. They call it retooling. That's what yeah. the Giants called it. Guy who helped himself the most in October, Steven Strasburg. You got Strasburg, you got Cole, Ryu, Bumgarner, Wheeler, Cole Hamels, Jake Odorizzi. 
Got a lot of guys. I mean, obviously, there's a bunch of qualifying offers here. You're going to have to give up a pick. But they're, they're, you need starting pitching. There's guys here that you can go get to help you. And there's under-the-radar guys, too, like Porcello and others that are that are going to be out there, too, that you can probably sign later on if you miss out on the top seven or eight guys. Guys who helped himself in October. He'll turn 37 next year. Former Angel, former Dodger. Howie Kendrick, by the way, in, in, the, in, the, in the age of I got to play multiple positions, he can play multiple positions. And they got uh, DH production for certain teams in 2019. White Sox, Rays, Mariners, Blue Jays, awful DH numbers also on there. Your Oakland Athletics. You know, you know what you got out of the DH position this year from the A's? A batting average of 222 and an OPS of only 707. I'd say that's below league average. Yeah, it's not good. Not good. Chris Davis. That's kind of a mystery. Buying or selling Chris Davis is on the roster game one. Put me on the spot, huh? I'm putting you... Putting you on the as spot. Some, as someone that bought a Chris Davis jersey last year after he signed the extension, and I, I wanted to see him I wanted to see him for years to come, I'm selling. I'm buying. Uh, guy who hurt himself, but I'm, I'm, I'm pro A's. Obviously, you're not. And you're not pro Chris Davis. <laughs> the guy who hurt himself the most in October, this is no doubt, Wade Miley. Also a free agent. Was rolling along. And then all of a sudden posted a 16.68 ERA in five September starts and was left off the Houston roster for the ALCS and the World Series. Bye-bye. He totally hurt himself. Now, that would be a guy that you could buy low on. Oh, and that could get very, well, get very good production. The Astros did that last year with him. They bought low on him because he came off a, okay. He came off a pretty good resurgent year with the Brewers, and he pitched. He was great up until September, and he completely fell apart. Quickly, two more. Uh, guy most likely to put a team over the top, Anthony Rendon. We know how special he is. He's Probably going, the Rangers. He's going to. They like Do- Dan likes Dodgers. Yeah, there's a lot of people like like Dave who like the who like the Dodgers. Uh, a lot of people I've been seeing like the Rangers too. So those are the two teams. Excuse I me, hearing. I said Dan, David. Uh, last one, the guy every team wants to sign, Will Smith, former Giant. Past two seasons, a 2.66 ERA, 167 strikeouts, and 118 of third innings, and a one point, excuse me, a .195 batting average allowed. And he's good against lefties and righties. We will break down this article and free agency with David Schoenfeld from ESPN next, right here on A's Cast Live. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back, looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. It's one out. Pete he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Coming up, Dave Schoenfeld from ESPN is going to join us. Wrote a very good article yesterday about free agency and the big names. Hey, you get the right guy. 
Patrick Corbin are the uh, are the Nats winning the World Series without Patrick Corbin? Look how much one guy you get the right guy can help lead you to a World Series title. Think about Max Scherzer. Think about what the Nationals have done. Lots to get into with David about this offseason. And I got a question about why they talk about how everything's going to be so slow. David joins us now. David, thank you so much for taking the time and coming on Ace Cast Live with Chris Townsend. Hey, thanks for the invite. Well, I, I've been thinking about all this stuff about Scott Boris has all the top players and Scott Boris is going <laughs> to he's gonna take this thing all the way towards spring training like we saw last year, and it's all Scott Boris's fault. But then I think about baseball, and I think, well, if we're going to have a slow winter, you know, when you start putting the, the these draft picks on these free agents, you know, that, that, that's been worked out, you know, the CBA between the owners and the Players Association. When you get these qualifying offers, this also hurts free agency. So when you look at it, there's multiple reasons, don't you think, why we're starting to have these slow off seasons? Yeah, yeah, many, many reasons. Look. If you're going to spend $200 million, you also want to take your time and make sure you're spending it the right way, on the right players, do your homework. That's part of it. Yeah, the qualifying offer, I guarantee you the players are going to fight tooth and nail to, to get rid of that for the next CBA. Look, if you're a free agent, you've earned the right to be a free agent. You know, So I think that's one thing that has to change. But, yeah. This is the trend. I don't think it's going to be any quicker uh, this winter than last year. I loved your article from yesterday. 2019-2020 MLB free agent class superlatives and the player most likely to. And you went down the line. And first off, obviously, the guy that's going to get the biggest deal, Garrett Cole, going to surpass David Price. When you really start thinking what he's going to get, Will it be in Houston? Will it be in Anaheim? Will it be in New York? I don't, we don't know where he's going to go, but what range are you hearing do you think he may be able to get? Yeah, it seems like he's probably going to start at 240 or $250 million and maybe it ends up a little higher. I think I know with the money Harper and Machado got last year, you might hear $200 million. I think pitchers there's still that risk right with a starting pitcher no matter what kind of year Garrett Cole had he's had no major arm issues in his career but I don't know if teams are going to go quite that high for a pitcher so I'll I would guess you know in that 250 to 280 million range you know seven or eight seasons probably so not bad I think he can live on that I think he's going to survive. He'll be okay. Yeah, I think he'll be okay. <laughs> now, the only difference is, is now you don't have Justin Verlander in front of you. And one thing that we always talked about here at the A's is, you know, a lot of times Garrett Cole's only going to go six, and then it's about getting to the bullpen. He signs a deal like this. His expectations and innings pitched, they're going to want a heck of a lot more. Well, I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, th- this is the modern-day pitcher, right? Six innings, seven on a good day, eight if he's, you know, has a no-hit bid going. Um, you know, how many pitchers even reached 200 innings this year? I think it was only seven or eight across the majors. Um, you know, Steven Strasburg led the National League with only 209 innings. Um, so, yeah, I know he's going to get paid, but you also want to protect that investment. So, 
yeah, don't go out there. Whatever team ends up with Garrett Cole, you fans don't expect, uh, you know, eight innings a game. He's still going to be a six, seven-inning guy. Okay, if I don't want to pay for Cole and I want to pay less, where am I going next? Is it Strasburg? Well, he's still going to cost a lot. My, I don't know if I'd call this guy a sleeper because I think everybody is kind of high on him as Zach Wheeler of the Mets. Now, he's had some, you know, injuries in the past, but he's been healthy the past two years. There's kind of a feeling that this guy, he might have a small chance to be Garrett Cole 2.0, one of the best fastballs in the league, throw strikes, good off-speed stuff. He's been good but not dominant with the Mets. And you put him with an organization like Houston, dig into some of those analytics, have him maybe throw that four-seamer a little more, the sinker a little less, same thing the Astros did with Garrett Cole, that maybe Zach Wheeler has a chance to like, – I don't want to say he's going to be the next Garrett Cole because those numbers he's had the last <laughs> two years are, are phenomenal, but – I think there's that feeling that a, a different team might get more out of him than the Mets did. Yeah, that's the whole thing now in baseball where you see like the Astros bring in Verlander or Cole and make him better. And then that's where in our own backyard, I wonder if somebody can do that with Madison Bumgarner. Well, you know, Bumgarner to me, he's his. I know he might end up with the Braves or maybe back with the Giants, you know, so I don't know if there's going to be. Uh, a huge war on him because I don't know how many teams he's willing to go to. But his next phase of his career, let's put it this way, is going to be fascinating because, you know, he's been – he's had those non-arm injuries, but he was healthy last year, had a nice rebound season. I know the ERA was the highest of his career, but some of those peripheral numbers were, were much better. On the other hand, I've been looking at his home road splits the last two years, and they are not good. They're great at – San Francisco, ERA over five on the road, I believe, both of the past two seasons. So is that going to affect his value and how teams view him? How much of that is the Giants' defense? I don't think it's been terrible. You probably can evaluate that better than I can. But, yeah, I'm not exactly sure how much I would want to give a Madison Bumgarner at this point in his career. Do you think he may just then take the qualifying offer, the 17.8? No, he'll he'll get no. There'll be a, I I don't want to undersell you know the interest in him because he'll get more than that, especially you know the postseason history that teams are. Even though it's been a long time since we've seen him in October, um, he'll he'll do well in free agency, and he he is a nice fit for the Braves who could really use a a veteran leader on that staff, especially with Dallas Keuchel also in free agency. I just don't know. I wouldn't. Ex- let's put it. I would not expect him to be a number one as he kind of enters his thirties now. So you had the guy who helped himself the most in October, obviously Steven Strasburg. But the next guy, I love this because you know we got to see him in Anaheim for years, playing then for the Dodgers. At thirty-seven years old, we still, you know, versatility is the name of the game with smaller benches and bigger bullpens. And Howie Kendrick can play a couple different positions. And even on here, you had how the A's really struggled this year with uh, OPS and batting average from the DH position. Uh, Howie Kendrick is still very interesting because he's still very productive. Yeah, boy, he'd be a nice fit for Oakland. I don't know how 
tied the A's, or are they still locked in on Chris Davis as their only DH after, you know, a terrible 2019? Um, I heard on MLB radio today that the Rays are interested in Howie Kendrick. He'd be a great fit there as a primary DH, fill in a little at first and second base. Uh, certainly the Nationals would love to have him back, but he, he feels like an AL player, you know, at this point in his career, you know, DH mostly playing the field a little bit. You don't really, you really don't want him in the field, but this guy hit 344 last year. He's in great shape, even though he's older. Um, he still has some good years left in him, I think. So the A's were in Detroit earlier this year and swept the four-game set, but even though they swept the four-game set, they couldn't get Castellanos out. I mean, it was he's a he was a double machine. It was like every single time he came to the play, it was like, oh, but you actually had him as the potentially the biggest bust. <laughs> and I'm like, this guy had a monster year. Well, he did. If uh, 58 doubles, I was really hoping he'd uh, hit 60 doubles. Nobody had done that since the 1930s. Uh, certainly had his best year at the plate. He's a bad outfielder. Um, he doesn't walk, you know, so he, it, it's all bat. And if he declines just a little, it's a very good hitter to an average hitter. That's that's my concern is it's a fine line between the year he had and him being just kind of a mediocre player. So it's not that he's going to be a bad player. It's mostly what are you going to pay to get him, you know. So that's really not a fair statement until I see somebody giving him a, you know, four-year, $80 million deal. I wouldn't want to do that. But at less money, at three years, I think he's, he's a fine investment. Another guy, probably better for an AL team. You know, DH is his best position. You know, I think about the AL, and I actually think about Alex Anthopoulos and what he had to say, and now Tony Clark's all up in arms. But, <laughs> but, but I'm thinking about the Northeast right now where all of a sudden it looks like the Red Sox are going in a different direction. They don't want to be big spenders. The Yankees have missed out on so many people. Brian Cashman uh, was uh, Sweeney Murdy was a little defensive about some questions about all the guys that they've missed on. What happened to the beast from the east and outspending everybody? <laughs> well, um, yeah, this is why the A's might be my World Series pick next year. What? I love it. Well, it's early. It's early. I'm tired of picking the Astros every year. But, no, you're right. Uh, let's see what the Red Sox do. Obviously, the Mookie Betts rumors are going to be there all all winter. The Yankees, what what did I write the other day? They haven't spent big on a free agent since Masahiro Tanaka. I mean big, like $100 million, kind of one of those guys, right? That was five years ago. So, yeah, maybe Garrett Cole, they, they change their mind and get in on that. But it doesn't seem like they, they're going to be going down that road either. So, yeah, that's one reason why the Astros have dominated the AL, you know, in the regular season the past few the past few years is a reluctance of, of some of the the big boys to spend big year after year after year. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up our green and gold because I don't want to be a homer here, but the reality is <laughs> the core of the A's is set. Their starting yep. pitching is going to be very strong. They have a ton of depth that's going to be in AAA if there's injuries. You know, it seemed like this past year, you know, the A's had won 97 games the year before. People were a little reluctant to pick them again. Now that they've yep. won 97 two straight years and they've got their core coming back, I like how you said that's not a shocker pick. Well, no. The, the way Sean Mania looked 
those last five starts or whatever he made, he was phenomenal up until the wild card game. You factor in, you know, certainly potential contributions from, from Puck and Lazardo, and those guys certainly have potential even as rookies, I think, to, to be very good rotation members. Um, so it really, and you go through the lineup, other than Semyon, it's not like anybody had like a career year where you're going to say this guy's going to regress. So um, I'll be curious to see how they supplement the roster. I'd like to see another outfielder maybe. Um, if they get a bounce back year from Chris Davis, obviously that'd be huge. But, yeah, maybe it's time. It's time for somebody else to win the AL West. Absolutely love it. What's the, <laughs> what's the, number, what's the number one storyline that interests you going into this offseason? Uh, yeah, aside from free agency, I think it's it's Mookie and, and Francisco Lindor. You know, will those two guys get traded? Um, I I think Mookie, the Red Sox, will probably end up keeping him. I mean, you have a look, you have a good team there. Why would you trade him? Just try to win one more year with him. If he leaves, he leaves. Um, Lindor, so maybe Lindor is more fascinating because he has two years left. Until free agency, Cleveland, they still have a good team. No reason they can't bounce back and win the division, but that's a tough market. They know they're not going to be able to afford them in two years. So does Lindor get traded? That'll, that'll be a huge storyline all winter. And to the Dodgers. Well, right. You know, it's interesting because if you look at all sort of the, the top contenders in 2009, they're all pretty – they all have pretty good shortstops. But if you – if you're the Dodgers, do you upgrade? Do you include Corey Seager in a trade that gets you Lindor? I think that's the kind of trade that might happen that we don't usually see those kinds of deals. But it'll be interesting to see if the Dodgers go down that road. David, we reference your work all the time here on the program. We love listening oh, to you with Buster great. and Buster Only's podcast, Baseball Tonight. We hear you every single week. So we really appreciate the time. We love your work. We'd love to have you on again soon. All right, anytime. I think a lot. David Schoenfeld from ESPN, as good as it gets. The ESPN guys are really good. Even though they got rid of baseball tonight on television, their work still covering the game is really, really good. And it's really, really strong. And we, like we tell everybody, what we're trying to build here with Ace Cast Live and with Ace Cast was we're trying to bring you the best names, current players, former players, Hall of Famers, executives. Uh, journalist, we're trying to give you the very best in the game. And, you know, he's one of the guys that pops on every single week with Buster Olney. All right. If you're going to New York, I got a place for you. (laughs) That and Nolan Ryan's leaving the Astros. We'll talk about it next right here on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Now back to the town. Here's Chris Townsend. Anthony Wittrado is going to stop by coming up here in just a little bit as we will be talking about is it going to be a slow offseason? It's kind of on, it's kind of, well, I don't know because I wasn't there for the negotiations. So I don't know. Who developed this qualifying offer? I don't know who agreed. Obviously, both sides had to agree to it. 
But it's not helping. So we can sit here and say, Boris is the devil. Okay. But let's be honest. This qualifying offer is not helping. When you put that draft pick on a guy, I mean, that's the problem. And and we are valuing draft picks like never before. So, yeah, Boris may want to get, and you know what? That's his job. If you have an agent, which I have had, you want your agent to get you everything he possibly can. And you don't care what time of the year it is. We want it to be in December. Well, you know what? If I can make X amount of more millions, which that's a lot of money, by signing in February versus December, what are you going to do? You're going to sign in February. It's Boris's job to get you. Boris works for you, but it's his job to get you the best possible deal for you and your family. Until somehow baseball, and we talked about this I'll say, did we talk about this on Wednesday? Where Boris came up with the idea of you want people to sign by a certain date. You can't force that, but you can certainly do incentives. Like, hey, if you sign by Christmas, you get an extra day. If you sign a top-tier free agent by, let's say, the end of the winter meetings, you get an extra draft pick. Or you get a little love off the luxury tax. I thought that was actually a pretty good idea. Because then that would force me, like, if if I'm up against the tax threshold and I'm signing this big-time free agent and I can get, I don't know, a little help off of that or maybe some international money or maybe some draft picks by signing a guy by the end of the winter meetings, there would be incentive for me to do that instead of letting it drag out. By the way, New York's newest hotel suite. It's pretty amazing. The views are spectacular from the highest Central Park facing hotel suite in New York City. Price of the Park Hyatt's new Manhattan Sky Suite. So if you're thinking about, I don't know, going to the Raider game, Raiders against the Jets coming up here in a couple weeks, maybe you want to go to uh, Central Park during the wintertime. Maybe you want to go shop during Christmas time. Christmas in New York's beautiful. Well, this suite on the 59th floor, which basically you see all of New York, it's only going to cost you 50 grand a night. That's it. And if you want, you want it for seven nights, I mean, why not? $350,000. It's basically like being a Warrior season ticket holder. Except for only a week. Can you imagine? A three-bedroom suite, which was unveiled on Wednesday, stretches across 4,200 square feet on the 59th floor. 157 luxury residential tower. Quote from Peter North. Excuse me, Peter Roth. Area Vice President and General Manager, Park Hyatt, New York. Quote, New York City hotels are renowned for their specialty suites, but nothing in the city measures up to this new suite. Overwhelming sense 
of luxury and unparalleled views of Central Park and the Manhattan skyline. I would really like to know. I mean, it's got to be only corporations that are going to be doing this. I mean, 50 G's a night, 350. Oh, by the way, it does have a seven-night minimum. Uh, well, that, that's unfortunate for us because the A's are in uh, New York. When? August 6th through the 9th. So it's a, th- it's a Thursday through Sunday series in 2020. Then they go to D.C. That's, that's a bit of a commute. That's a haul for us if we wanted to stay for seven days. Well, no, it's not. What are you talking about? You thought it was a seven-day minimum. Yeah. So what, are we gonna get, are we going to get in on a Sunday and stay to Sunday? No, wait a minute. It's Thursday. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then that's only yeah. four days. Okay. So they get to stay for seven. What are the other three days? Uh, they're in Washington. Uh, Washington's a train right away. So we're going to keep going back and forth? That's, yeah. That's a bit of a haul. No, it's not. How about we go on? How about we go Sunday to Sunday? Spend a couple of days in New York on an off day. They have the luxury train that goes from D.C. to New York City, where you have dinner and cocktails. Well, we'll have to see Pearl. You know, flip the tab on this. The professor. Yeah, see if it is it in the budget. I don't know. It should be. I mean, it's a new budget. New, All right, new, here, new here, budget. Here's my proposal: less food trucks for everybody on Wednesdays, and no more boats and for McCovey Cove takeover. And we get this sweet New York. We in? Yeah, but it'll have to be us, Ken, Vince, Ray, no, Dallas. No. It's Cavill, Giles, you, me. The whole broadcast team has to be there because they're going to be in New York. No, they're going to be at the team hotel. Yeah, The riffraff of Catronio and <laughs> Korak and Fossey. The riffraff stays at the regular hotel. It's Cavill, Giles, you, me. Probably the professor. And the professor. Oh, no, no love for Joey? <laughs> Joey will be on a treadmill for some bet for, I don't know, peanuts. Oh, I like it. Call Dave Cat. Tell Cat. Can we get Cat? When are we going to get Cavill back on the program for the build? We got to send Cavill first. We got to send him the article and say, Dave, we got an idea. We're on it. I actually like, wait, we get, wait a minute. Instead of going to Seattle, was that the Seattle a home game? Okay, so, okay. Forget, we'll do the Seattle A's game from the suite. We'll be there Monday through Sunday. And we we're can, on it. And, and, and Dave, we're, we can say we're going around and looking at the uh, Yankee Stadium and City Field, and I, that, we'll expense it. I, we're I, on it. I, no problem. 350 grand for a week. Maybe Chris Giles can get a gig, and we'll go to his gig there in New York City. He's got a song for that. <laughs> I think I can sell this. Uh, Giles, by the way, came up to me yesterday. What was it on Wednesday? Yes. Uh, it completely endorses the uh, mustache. He was lying. I don't know. He looked pretty serious. Will you get that beard back? It's growing in. I can't stand looking at your neck anymore. No offense. Okay, well. And but- you know when you say no offense, you're off the hook. Uh, no, no offense. It's like saying uh, no disrespect. but No, no offense. <laughs> Will you please grow the beard back? Coming up next, is it really going to be that slow? Or maybe you want to get the money now. I don't know. Whose fault is it? Anthony Watrato from Forbes Magazine and ESPN.com will join us next right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the East Bay. Ace Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Yeah, 
Yeah, something we definitely need to get into before we get out of here. By the way, we're off on Monday, which is not my call. I think, is it your call, Cody? Whose call is that? As the project manager of AceCast Live, I made an executive decision. Made an executive decision, all right. Yeah, so uh, no show Monday. An uh, an observation of Veterans Day. Oh, that's right. I totally forgot. It's Veterans Day. All right. We'll be off on Monday, back on Wednesday and Friday of next week. And we're going to start hearing a little more rumblings, hopefully, of what's going on with Major League Baseball and free agency. Really kind of a a note that went under the radar, and we'll talk to Anthony Watorado from Forbes and ESPN.com coming up here in a minute, was Nolan Ryan will not be back with the Astros as he served as the executive advisor for Jim Crane. He told Fox 26 in Houston via text message that he's leaving, and the explanation was, we'll leave it at that. His son, Reed, who we were supposed to have on the program before the whole just whole thing went down with Tobman, he is going to be reassigned, and Jim Crane's son is going to come into the organization. Anthony, how are you? Welcome back to A's Cast Live. Hey, thanks for having me back. What, what did you think uh, of seeing this story about Nolan Ryan's out? It looks like it's his decision. He didn't want to really even get into it. His son Reed's being demoted. Jim Crane's son's now coming into it. We had the whole issue with Brandon Tobman and that whole deal and the way the debacle, the way the Astros handled it. We knew stuff would be going on after the World Series, but were you surprised Nolan Ryan would be be leaving the Astros? Yeah, I, I mean, obviously the guy is a icon there, um, and and so that was surprising, you know. And, and there, there's uh, there's been other departures. You know, two of the of the top lieutenants in that front office are gone now, and I think the the most curious part of all of it is that in every story you're reading, these guys aren't necessarily leaving for other jobs, and if they are, they're not saying what those opportunities are. And which leads me to believe that they're just now on the open market, but they're choosing to leave Houston. And that's the interesting part. And, you know, we, we've seen it in, in a, um, you know, a couple of books that have been published and in numerous stories that have been written over the last year or so that the Astros, uh, you know, front office and, and baseball operations department may not be the best place in terms of, you know, it, it's not on Forbes' top 50 places to work. Let's say that. <laughs> um, and, and and so, you know, you're starting to see these exoduses by people who were really critical to a lot of the success here. And uh, I, I think what's gone on over the last – Last year with Osuna, that signing, because if, if you believe the reports, and, and again, this was written in some books, uh, that, that did not go over well with a lot of people in that front office and that baseball ops team. And then you have what happened this year uh, during the postseason with Toppin. I think for a lot of people, they just, you know what, this isn't the place for me, we, and we need to get out of here. And, and it sounds like for all the success they're having on the field, it's kind of toxic you know, when you look at where the decisions are made. Are are you going to be shocked or not shocked if there's more discipline 
coming down on the Astros from Major League Baseball? I would not be shocked. Um, I would be disappointed if there was if there wasn't. Uh, and I and I and I think that a lot of people in baseball and around the media probably feel that way, considering uh, the media takes this one a little personally because of of what occurred with the Sports Illustrated article and, and the way Loon Howe and, and, and the entire organization basically um, tried to, to run a smear campaign against that story and that, and that writer. Um, you know, and, and, and when you look at that and just there's a track record here now. You know, this isn't an incident anymore. Uh, this, is the, this is the trend with the Astros. Uh, yeah, I, I think baseball should step in and say, okay, we're going to run a little bit of an investigation here and we're going to see what we can come get to the bottom of. And yeah, I think some more discipline probably is necessary in terms of, of curtailing. I think again, what, what seems to be by all accounts, a toxic environment inside the Astros when away from the clubhouse. Now I know you recently did an article talking about free agency and just, you know, the slow freeze now in the winter, because back in the day, we were all fired up for the winter meetings, and now MLB Network in its 10th year, this will be the 11th time where they're televising the winter meetings, and, and big deals are going down, and these executives at night are having cocktails, and they're writing down trades on, on, on cocktail napkins, and now all of a sudden, it's like guys are signing in February, in late January. Uh, how do you see this year's winter going down? Well, like my column said, I looked like it was going to be slow, but I think we can put all that conversation at rest now that the Braves have signed Darren O'Day because that was the chip that we were all waiting for, right? <laughs> so now everything's going to kind of it's going to be a domino effect. Now, now everyone's going to sign because Darren O'Day is off the market. No, oh, all right. So Garrett well, Cole's yeah, signing tomorrow is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, I mean this might be done by the end of the weekend. You know. Um, no, you, I think we're, we're looking at another off season where we're waiting until January, February, March, possibly even April. And for some guys, I think you're going to see what happened with Keiko and Kimbrell where they, they have to wait till June until that qualifying offer falls off. Uh, the draft pick compensation falls off. You know, this is, this is part of what it is, is that Boris has so many guys and he's just, he's, he will milk the clock until you give him the deal that he wants. Um, and, and he made a statement the other day that teams make decisions in February that they wouldn't necessarily make in November. And he's absolutely right. He's 100% right. We've seen it time and time again. We've seen him wait it out until then time and time again uh, where it looks like his player has no market and then something happens and that team makes a decision and they pay the, the asking price. Uh, think about when Prince Fielder signed with the Tigers. No one thought he was going to get that kind of money. And everyone said Boris was, was leading his client down a bad path. All of a sudden, Victor Martinez got hurt, and the Tigers gave him the money. Um, you know, so, I mean, you know, we, we see it happen all the time. That's a factor that Boris has so many of the top guys. Another factor is that front offices are evaluating players in a much more efficient way than they ever have before. And, you know, people have talked about collusion and things like that. I think it's, I, I think it's different than that. I, I think there's a suppression in the length of contracts because teams, it's not like teams are unwilling to give money. They would just much rather give a higher average annual value to a player over a four-year deal as opposed to a seven- or eight-year deal. 
And when you're a, when you're a GM or a president of baseball operations, that makes complete sense because you don't want to have to be on the hook for what Albert Pujols is doing right now, let's say. And so and more than collusion, I think it's front offices finally getting the ears of their ownership and saying, let us make these calls. Let us make these decisions. We'll come to you when we have something. Um, and ownership staying out of the way and letting those guys make those moves. And the baseball's economics are, are so flawed. I mean, that's, it's a whole different interview, right? But given the, the, the current structure, GMs and, and, and these presidents of baseball ops, they're making the right calls for the future of their, of their organizations, absolutely. Um, because, again, you don't want to get locked into a contract like Albert Pujols' or like Miguel Cabrera's. And so the players are, 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 are the ones being hurt because the economic system of baseball doesn't allow them to become free agents until they're almost 30 for the most part. And so you're, you're seeing that, um, you know, over the last two off seasons, you'll see it again this year, you're seeing it hurt the players. And the test case was, I thought last year with Machado and Harper guys who were in their mid twenties, not getting deals until really late. So this is probably how it's going to go until something happens and the rules change. Yeah. And this next CBA, they got to get rid of this qualifying offer and then they got to figure out how to pay guys earlier. If you don't want to pay guys late, you have to pay a piece of the pie to the players. We're, you know, we're in a business where the human beings are the business. You know, this isn't people yeah. are not buying cars or people pay to see the humans. So the, we got to figure out a way if we're not going to pay you late, how it was originally set up, we got to figure out a way to pay you earlier and get rid of some of this arbitration stuff. Absolutely. You, again, the, the economic system for the players is, is so flawed. Um, it, it, it's, it's incredible. And, and ownership, obviously, excuse me, loves it because they get star players, stu- superstar caliber players, MVP talent, um, entering their prime, and, and, and they're paying them pennies on the dollar for what they're actually worth in the open market. And by the time they get to the open market, you got 28 teams telling them that eh, you're too old for a long-term contract now. So I think we're going to pass. And and it's it's a system that needs to be revamped. But again, getting ownership buy-in and on that is is it seems virtually impossible at this point because they are reaping all the benefits right now. And and unless the players strike, they don't have anything to lose because again, the system is what it is. It's been agreed by the MLBPA long before. And so they're they're just winning on top of winning right now, and, and it, it's hurting the players. And I know you see these contracts with, you know, $300 million for Harper and, and Machado, and uh, Garrett Cole will probably break records this year. And so you, that's what you see publicly. Um, but to, to call out those contracts as being bad, all you're doing is siding with billionaires over players who are millionaires. And so, you know, I mean, is that really what, what you want to be doing at the end of the day? Uh, you know, the, the labor here, they're the ones being paid under market value because if they were able to hit free agency, let's say after three seasons, uh, I think NBA rookie contracts are like three years, maybe four. Let's say they're able to hit free agency then. Oh, I mean, the sky's the limit on what these guys can make because they're just entering their prime. And you're going to see players like, let's say, a Mike Trout, if he were to hit free agency in at age 25, well, you can give that guy a 10-year contract and you're going to get eight years of prime. And, and so the, 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 the ownerships obviously don't want to do that for obvious reasons because it's going to cost them more money. 
Um, and right now for the players, unfortunately, the only uh, the only recourse they have to change the system probably is to stop playing. What I'm hoping for, though, is that they can get a deal done because so many of the tr- the primetime players, they already have deals. So many guys have signed extensions, and now with last year's big free agents, this year's big free agents, at some point all the guys that really matter are going to be signed, and those guys are not going to want work stoppage because then they're not going to get paid. Yeah, it, it, and true. And part of the reason why all those guys are becoming signed is because they're seeing, they saw the last two off-seasons, and you all of a sudden had this influx. I mean, this just wave of contract extensions for guys who are between the ages of 21 and 27. And that wasn't the case before. Guys were taking it to free agency because they knew the money was out there. And now that these front offices are smarter and they're not willing to give those long-term deals, again, they're willing to give the money. They're not willing to give the years. Um, so, so you're seeing now the new way to the money is to sign an extension. And typically those extensions are under market value also. Um, so you look at a guy like, I want to say, uh, I think Albie signed with Atlanta and I forgot how many years, but it was like a hundred million dollars. If he continues down the road, he's going, he's an all-star, all-star second baseman. I think it was Albie. Um, that's under market value. I mean, on the open market, that guy probably commands $160 million at least, I would say. And so, you know, when, when he signs that extension, he gets that life-changing money. That's how the teams are selling it. This is life-changing money for you. What if you get hurt or what if your production splits? You have this guaranteed cash. Um, but if he continues to do what he's doing, again, pennies on the dollar. We always appreciate their t- your time, and we'll be talking to you throughout the offseason. Keep up the great work. We reference your stuff all the time. I appreciate it, you guys. Thank you. Anytime you need me. Anthony Wittrardo from Forbes and ESPN.com. Yeah, Albie's contract ended up being about five thirty five years for about $35 million. Still, it's $35 million. I'm telling you. They want everybody to hold out for the, oh, my, go to free it. Not everybody wants to go to free agency. Someone offers you a lot of money and you're happy where you are. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? Are we ready for buying or selling? It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. Yeah, when he was saying that, I was. He was thinking of Acuna. Yeah, he was thinking of Acuna, and I'm like. Ozzy Albee's got $100 million. I thought it was $35 million, but... Don't troll. I'm not trolling. I'm just I'm just pointing out something that popped into my head. But anyway, we talked. We briefly talked about Nolan Ryan. And every time I think of Nolan Ryan, I have to read it in the voice that you do, Nolan Ryan, secretary's voice. So anytime I read a quote from Nolan Ryan, I think of you impersonating him and his secretary. Hold on. Mr. Ryan will be right with you. So, as we know, Nolan Ryan's out with the Astros. He's been an advisor. He's been an advisor with the club since 2014. He said in his statement, I will not be back with the club and leave it at that. His son, Reed, is taking a lesser role as well. When asked, Jim Crane pretty much denied that he was, uh, that Nolan was stepping down. I have the quote. Let me find it in a second. But the Rangers are a team that uh, Nolan Ryan played for for four years, and he was the president from, 20, from 2008 to 2013. Buying or selling, Nolan Ryan will return to the Rangers. 
I'm completely selling. I think Nolan Ryan at 72 years old is done with with uh, baseball. He's got so many interests. He's got, by the way, you know he owns the Astros AAA and AA affiliate. And a beef company. Buying or selling, when those deals are up, they will no longer be Astros Buying. affiliates. Buying. There's something, something's gone down. And the Ryan Express, he owns banks. He's got that meat company. Nolan Ryan has a lot of different business interest. And at 72 years old, I, I doubt. I mean, that's where he lives. Got a big old ranch. Nolan Ryan Beef is the name of the company. I, I doubt that uh, Nolan Ryan is going to be looking for another big league. By the way, here's what Jim Crane said. Nolan Ryan's contract with the Astros and executive advisor runs through February of 2020. If Nolan has decided to step down, that is his decision. Nolan will always be welcome at Minute Maid Park and at any Astros-related activity. So it looks like Nolan stepped down on his own, but there's I think there's more to this story than we're being told, but I guess we'll never find out. Texas Beef. Texas Rancher. When or no, Texas but, Ranger. Rancher. I'm reading I, up. No, I know, but you can add Texas Ranger to that, too. When Nolan Ryan and his ranching partners decide to start their own brand, they want to make sure they create a program to provide high-quality, consistent beef at a price families could perform. You know, if they deliver, we got to buy some Nolan Ryan beef. Uh, Texas HB. I, I might be ordering steaks for us. Well, for us, are they going to be? Can we get those at the uh, chicken pie shop of Walnut Creek? No, they'd be for us. Okay, all right. Well. So, Garrett Cole and Strasburg are going to be the big names on the free agents mark uh, this offseason. Told you I'm going to get Garrett Cole and buying or selling every single day we do the show. Oh, my God. Other names out there are Bumgarner, Odorizzi, Zach Wheeler, Rick Porcello, Wade Miley, and I'm sure I'm forgetting a lot of other quality arms that are out there. The guy I'm looking at is Ryu, my guy from the Dodgers. 33 years old, coming up the season where he led baseball ERA at 232. He had an awful last couple starts, raising his ERA from 145 to that 232 I just spoke about. He had Tommy John in 2004, so you know he might have it again or have arm problems again. He's had shoulder problems since. Buying or selling, Ryu will be the most underrated free agent signing this offseason. The most underrated out of them all. Yeah. I'm going to sell. Just because my odds are good. You're putting him up against a bunch of also underrated guys. So just, I, I respect him. He had a terrific year. Wherever he goes, I believe he'll be successful. But if I was a gambler, which of course I am not, uh, I know my odds. Don't laugh. Why are you laughing? I wasn't. I'm laughing at something I wrote. <laughs> um, the odds are for me to bet against him. So I'm selling. Yeah, I, I don't know anything about gambling, although I used to produce a podcast on gambling, and I know all the terminology. I could not tell you how to bet one way or the other. So remember back when we used to get excited about free agency in baseball? Where is Albert Pujols going? Who's going to get A-Rod? Oh, Max Scherzer, where's stop. he going to go? Well, the past few off-seasons have been a, well, I put in all capital letters, dud. We had to wait till spring training to see players like Manny Machado, Bryce Harper, and J.D. Martinez signed the last couple of years. We had to wait till the season started after the draft to see Keuchel and Kimbrell sign. Everyone looks forward to the NBA offseason before the season starts the year before. So buying or selling free agency in Major League Baseball is dead. It's dead? Like the excitement level, everything's gone. Uh, I guess I got to buy that until we start seeing guys sign. 
I mean, if you're signing right before spring training, it's dead. Completely agree. Like the winter meetings are just, hey, let's just watch a bunch of executives get uh, interviewed. It's essentially what's becoming. And, and you talk about, well, we're hearing this, we're hearing that. Because think about that. The winter meetings are early December. We'll be there this year. So that's January, February. When did, when did Harper sign? February uh, what? Fe- uh, like right around, like I think spring training started because he did the thing from spring training. So you're talking a month and a half or so after the winter meetings? Yeah, that's not good. By the way, anything beef you want, Nolan Ryan, they sell. And I really, really, really want to get us some bone-in ribeye steak from Nolan Ryan. I got a cut for that. See what I did there? You mix you mix Giles with Nolan Ryan. C E C O O Chris Giles with Nolan Ryan. Nolan Ryan beef. They probably they both like country music, so it doesn't look like they deliver. Well, it looks like we'll have to order and go pick it up in Houston. Uh, what we'll Blummer sent it to us. He can he Blummer. Can afford, he can afford it. <laughs> all right, last one. The NBA is grabbing a lot of headlines for all the wrong reasons right now. Kawhi Leonard missed his second game in eight games on national TV versus the Bucks. Wednesday night, the NBA fined the Clippers and Doc Rivers $50,000 for the explanation why. Load management is a big thing in the NBA, or just for another couple words we can use, uh, DMP coach's decision or DMP rest. Buying or selling Major League Baseball will start using load management. Selling. This load management thing, this is a problem. (laughs) This has been a problem for years to where... It started with the Spurs and Popovich. It, it was that game in Miami where he sent his players home on a Southwest flight. It's not good for your game. And you can't be having ABC spending all this money or TNT spending all this money. And then it's like, oh, we're just not going to play anybody tonight when they're perfectly healthy. It's a joke. It's an absolute joke. And I know. Because having done Warriors for years, I had basketball fans criticize me. I will still stand by it. It is an embarrassment. It is soft. If you if you're banged up and you got an issue, no question you don't play. But the fact that you got straight healthy guys that will sit a bunch of games, and and here's the thing: the amount of money you're charging. Look how many people are already pissed off about what the Warriors are charging. And all their good players are, are are out or gone. It really is unbelievable. Also, I brought up the, earlier the report of Steph missing the entire year. Well, the Warriors called it hogwash, and uh, it's not true saying that he might not miss the whole year. So a little bit of trouble between the media and the Warriors unfolding Ooh. on Twitter. So, you so, t- so you're telling me the Warriors won't tank this year. More importantly, we could get Nolan Ryan's signature off Amazon – Nolan Ryan's signature season trio. Barbecue, steak, and fajita seasoning. Looks like we're going to have to have a... Uh, it's only twenty one ninety five. I got to get oh, that. And it's prime. We can get it in a couple days. Looks like we'll have to have a uh, day on the smoker here. I got I to gotta tell my wife, as we are Amazon Prime, mem- uh, Prime members, I need some Nolan Ryan's. I need some seasonings. It's Nolan Ryan. We got to figure out how to get it. I'm going to call Nolan Ryan's company and go, Mr. Ryan and our friends. How are you going to send me some beef from Nolan Ryan? They got beef ribs. I can put that in the smoker. There's a lot of different things from Nolan Ryan. Uh, oh, he's got a brisket. I could do brisket. Where's customer? 
Call Nolan Ryan's company now. We want some beef. All right, we will not be back on Monday. We will be back on Wednesday, breaking it all down. Up next, it's A's Cast Live with Chris Townsend. Have a great weekend, everybody. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.